0: L.
1: Oleg, is there anything in particular from our conversations that you don't want brought up? Like, my recollection from our earliest introductions, maybe from Father George or from yeah. you, was that, you know, you have done agitprop prop in, in Soviet Russia, never got arrested, but um, were warned to leave you took the invitation to leave, you got here, and that you've been arrested twice, which I take as a...
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fine. You can talk about that, yeah. Okay.
1: Um, it, no, it, I was
2: arrested once here for uh, political, you know, for putting up uh, anti-Jihad posters, like pro-Israel posters on uh, campus at uh, George Mason University.
1: That's excellent. The reason I ask is what we want to do is is make it abundantly clear that you are a freedom freedom loving American um who began life in Russia, uh, but but and that um political oppression here is a very real thing.
2: No, you can you can talk about all of that, yeah, no problem.
1: Okay, great. Did you pour one for me or Oh I do have whiskey and stuff if you guys want to oh yeah
3: it's like you even gotta ask come on yeah. man
1: because i, oh, I like, know what whiskey he's got i just drove like, i just drove 40 hours like, like i'll take a whiskey
3: yeah it should have been like yeah, the first thing dope. he offered you when you when you <laughs> landed man
1: no the first thing he offered me was a mill yeah get going
3: yeah it is put you to work son that's
1: good stuff so Ooh. this is uh, a brand that Jeff Kirkham turned me on to. Basil Hayden. It That's, is legit.
3: That sounds bourgeois. <laughs> is.
2: <laughs> it's not, very so bourgeois. What is it? Uh, whiskey or brandy or? It's a uh, bourbon. Bourbon. Okay.
1: Kentucky like bourbon, bourbon. Yep. Marty says the guy with a the thermal scope just you know sitting next to <laughs> him. Bougie AF. <laughs>
3: I'm badass bourgeois, though.
1: <laughs> Damn right.
3: <laughs> oh, speaking of, Brian. Um, I'll show you a fine bottle of vodka. Hold on. There we right. go. Oh, yeah. Now now we're talking. Now we're talking the Talking lead show here. Compare bourbons is. and liquors. So the AccuFire um, scope, the one to eight. Yeah. I love it. Oh, really? I'm loving. Yeah, I'm loving this scope. Because the I recall. was
1: telling the guys about it. Actually, um, like okay, day. guys. Look at this. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And
2: it says uh, for for uh, was it mm, for service to the motherland, ah. and, and then you go like this,
3: <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and it's a bottle of a bottle of vodka. Nice. So, is that, uh, is that Mikhail Kalashnikov's? Uh, I don't know. Uh, you
2: tell me. I don't know much about guns, so you tell me what model it is.
3: Well, I mean, that's not one of his, but he does have a, or he did have a liquor company, a vodka company. And they. Uh, oh, yeah, he
2: made glass.
3: Uh, he AKs. made bottles
2: in the shape of uh, that uh, rifle made of glass. Oh. I saw those pictures.
3: That That rifle. The AK-47, baby. Yeah. We are we are the AK corner. That's that's the mm-hmm. title of this show. Oh, In case you didn't know, yeah, this is the Talking yeah. Lead AK corner. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, Took <that's> a little sip. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> hey,
1: th- that's how
3: we get tuned up on this show, brother. That's love it. That's perfect. If you're ever gonna put a gun to your mouth, that's the perfect way to do it. I uh, the only way <laughs> the That's only right. time you put a
2: gun to your mouth is with this glove it's
3: <laughs> full of vodka i love that yeah all right let's get started i guess the bandito will join us uh momentarily uh so we've started we've been talking uh guys appreciate uh, everybody tuning in to another episode of the talking Lead ak corner this is episode eight if you didn't get an opportunity, make sure you go back to last month's episode where Brian, we talked about trench art.
1: That's correct. <laughs> Did you forget? Which you forget? Correct- <laughs> Well, yeah, I had it's been a busy month. That seems like 6 years ago. My God, it um, seems like yesterday yeah, to
3: me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> seems like we just recorded like that just episode. Recorded
1: that. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It was a great episode, and, and it overlaps with the topic for today, and really, it's almost like we planned it.
3: Well, we kind of well, did. did. I'm getting some feedback <laughs> from some you. Feedback. From us now? Yeah, getting feedback from y'all. So Brian is in, a, in an open room. He's got a couple of guests. We're going to have him introduce those to those uh, who can't see or listening uh, on the audio only. Uh, we do do a video version of this show now. You can go to YouTube and catch it. Uh, try to put one out every month uh, along with our normal podcast so you guys can go and actually see the beautiful people that we're talking to. And um, right, so last episode was trench art. And that kind of what is what led to this month's show because we got into talking about um, some of the agiprop and the artwork that was behind that. And I was like, hey, that would be a great show to do in and of itself. So um, here we are today, and we've got, again, my consummate co-host, Brian Keeney with Occam Defense Solutions joining
1: us. Ab- absolutely stoked to be here again <laughs> with um, somebody who's turned into a, a really good friend and very excited to be getting the deep dive on his story.
3: And I'm going to let you do the honors of introducing our most esteemed guest. For this episode. Yeah, so
1: i uh, Oleg Adbashian through a mutual friend um, in 2018, something like that. And um, he was told that he's a great artist, but also a, uh, a Russian-born uh, refugee uh, who uh, had made it to, to liberty here and did really great work, but was also a conservative. And uh, so wonderful to line up with artists to ha- share our values And he did some really great um, posters for us that most folks have probably seen that are these propaganda posters from Soviet Russia um, that he adapted for our works. Um, And so very pleased to have Oleg on the show today.
3: And he also did this artwork.
1: That's correct. Yep. Yep. And he's done some work for some other of our friends as well. And um, he does... Um, fine art, and also graphic design, and um, also really good um, conservative commentary on the People's Cube, and has a couple books out about his his uh, trek to liberty.
3: Oleg, welcome in. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Hello, comrades. <laughs> glad to be here. How do you say hello in Russian?
2: Privet. Uh, privet. That is more like inf- uh, informal. Hi, privet.
3: Previat, Privyat. Yes. previat. There we go. I was trying to figure out, I always say "das Vidanya, but I think that means bye, doesn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that means, yeah, oh. until until I see you again.
3: Gotcha, gotcha. So, Oleg, we're stoked to have you on the show. Uh, I know you're going to bring a lot of education. We call it leducation here on Talking Lead uh, to our listeners on uh, the subject of agiprop. We're looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Also joining us this episode, uh, we've got a newbie, another newbie joining us, and uh, it's for you listeners who who follow him, which I know a lot of our listeners do follow you, it's Bandito Bill. Bandito, welcome in. Hey guys, in. how are you? Doing great, man. Hello. Welcome in.
0: Hey, it's a pleasure being here, and thank you for having me.
3: Absolutely. So, uh, I don't know how he is on your screen, but above you is Brian Keeney with Occam Defense and, and his crew. over. Hey. Over to the other side there, we've got Oleg at Bastian.
0: hmm How are you, sir? Uh,
3: and then Bandito, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself.
0: Uh, so you know, like it was stated, I'm an AK enthusiast and an overall firearms enthusiast. Um, you know, uh nowadays. Uh I'm also the owner of SureShot USA as well as Illinois Precision Machining. Uh so we manufacture Uh, basically a free-flow AK chassis system.
3: Very cool, very cool. So you know a thing or two about the AK-47? A
0: few things. A little bit of family history behind it, too.
3: Yeah, and uh, maybe you can talk about that a little bit uh, as we get into the show. uh, Talk about your family background.
0: Myself? Um, So I am Chinese. I was born in Communist China. Uh, You know, spent the first seven years of my childhood there. So, you know, I got to experience a lot of the propaganda and such. Yeah. Uh moved to Canada right. when I was seven, and then here to the Chicagoland area when I was uh, 14. And been here ever since.
3: Okay. So, you, well, you're about 20 now? <laughs> uh, no, I'm
0: 35. I'm going to be 36 soon.
3: I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. I uh, know. I wish. We, we do that on this show, so feel free to bust it's chops. All
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it.
3: Uh, we we do that a lot here. So yeah, leadheads. Our topic is agitprop, and we're going to talk about that, what it is, uh, how it's being used in America. But we've got two great examples here of uh, the the beginning of agitprop with Oleg over in Russia, uh, and then of course uh, with Bandito Bill in China, heavily used there as well. Um, but before we do that, Brian, you didn't introduce your guests. Let's let's. Let's hear about your guests you've got with you.
1: Yeah, I've got my two right-hand men with me, or my right, my left-hand man, whatever you want to describe there. But um, (laughs) Austin Colomayo, I met at uh, Tactical Response Alumni Weekend in 2016, 2015, 2016. And I had been uh, working on the RST, which was our first product. It's a a railed uh, rear sight base, and um, was looking for... Uh, some help because I had an electronics business I was running on the on the,
3: on the full time
1: job, and I, <laughs> I didn't understand some finer points of what are called GD&T or Global Dimensioning and Tolerancing that I knew I needed to learn. And so uh, had a chat with Austin, and uh, we had a really good overlap, and we've been working together ever since. Austin is one of the co-inventors of the Merck Guard and um, has done most of the programming and machining for, um, for our different products like the stocks, you know, all the parts we make uh, Austin is the programmer of those now. And um, also develops new tech for us on the production side as well. Uh, Cody came to me in the middle here, Cody Kopp. Cody. um, 2018. Yeah. Yeah. August of 2018. um, As an intern, he was a physics math major at university of Idaho, which is, Three hundred yards from where we're right now, and um, driver, driver,
3: the driver. You know, if you play golf, you know it's a driver. Oh, oh,
1: okay, yeah. (laughs) No, I'm I'm into chicks. Uh, So (laughs) um, so, uh, uh, the Cody started out electronics with me, and when we had a a decision point to make about what business to move forward, um, my wonderful wife said that. I should do the defense side because I liked it so much more, which is true. And so Cody moved over and was one of our first builders, and has graduated into production design, sort of general management of of the shop. He's he's the guy most people talk to. Um, he is
3: well. He is better looking than you. So
1: but there's that as well, <laughs> yeah. and more polite and more personable.
3: So, uh, yeah, no, he- <laughs>
1: Very grateful to have, you know, people love to trash on millennials and Z and, and we've got some shining exceptions to that rule, um, around here. So very happy to have some young energy and, uh, old school work ethic in these two gentlemen.
3: Well, guys, we are glad to have you on the show. Cody Austin, thanks for joining. And, uh, uh I'm excited about this show because, um, I, I didn't know about Agiprop. I mean, I knew what I knew a, Agiprop existed, but I didn't know it was called Agiprop. So I think as our listeners start listening as to what it is and the different forms that it takes, they're going to go, oh, okay, that makes sense now. So, yep. um,
1: The word Agiprop was in talking with Oleg because I, I said, hey, I've got these propaganda posters and I want to do some stuff to him. And he goes, oh, you mean Agiprop. And then I was like, oh, yes, that's the word for the thing that we all know about. But those really... Striking propaganda posters, um, among other things. That is kind of the general art form that we're talking about. But um, there's a lot more to it than that. that yeah. uh, and
3: just to give a uh, an example, I've got a I've got them up here somewhere. Here they are. So this is an example okay. of what agitprop uh, banners look like.
2: Right. Agiprop is agitation and propaganda, and uh, basically it's uh, the um, a form of newspeak, as in Orwell's 1984, but Orwell modeled his uh, society in 1984 from the Stalinist Soviet Union, and those kind of words, new words, in newspeak were pretty popular. So they just created new words out of uh, the first syllables. So prop is uh, one of the newspeak creations.
3: Very good. And that originated, um, was it back in the 1920s?
2: uh the word
3: the word uh, itself now agiprop has probably been around much much longer than the term was actually coined but right
2: not in the twenties. i think that right after the revolution in 1917 they started uh, <clears throat> engaging artists and creating uh visual agitation and propaganda not just visual they also were in, in engaging uh, theater troops to send them to towns and villages to perform agitational uh, plays, just very simplistic, two dimensional plays where the bourgeoisie were the bad guys, you know, the, the capitalists, and then uh, the uh, proletarians, the working classes, were the good guys, and they would uh, kill the bourgeoisie and take away their property, and that was a good thing. So those those were <laughs> very simple. That was also edgy prop. So there are many. It takes many forms.
3: Right. We'll we'll talk about that as we uh, get involved with it. Uh, now, Bill, you said you're from originally from China. You obviously your your family, your first generation, mm-hmm. I guess, to come over to America. Um, yes. Talk about the the exposure that you had to this type of propaganda in China.
0: So um my biggest experience with it was with the education system and through media as well um you know starting from you know the first year in school they basically destroyed that whole idea of individuality you know everything's a group drill you know you start every morning lined up formation you know saluting the flag and you know listening to the national anthem Um, and all education was obviously state controlled and it wasn't really about learning as much as it was about just cramming in all this information that we want you to know. So it was just basically, you know, memorizing multiplication tables and a scrub version of history.
3: Sounds like my Uh, elementary school experience. (laughs) We We would get to school, we would stand up, say the Pledge of Allegiance. (laughs) <laughs> you sit down and then uh, we'd be taught whatever they were teaching that day you know
0: right but you know we also had the uniforms a little red handkerchiefs, you know chiefs and everything
3: catholic school <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man um and then always with media you know they you know they would always love to you know show you know it was only you know, the revolutionary army driving out the Japanese forces, you know, in World all War Two. Yep, it was you know, you didn't know America existed or, you know, they in any aid at all. And obviously didn't know about the Tiananmen Square Massacre until I had left China and not until you know, not for a few years after that. Oh really? Yep.
3: Oh, so wow.
0: yeah they they don't tell anyone about it.
3: They have it that um, much a lot down there, huh?
0: Yeah, it's U.S., you know, younger Chinese people these days, and they won't know what happened on that day. So,
3: Still don't know, huh, people that are still... No, alive.
0: they have a control to that
2: that's, level. That's true, that, that's I can confirm, in the Soviet Union. you you, you heard of the called the famine that killed like 6 to 10 million people by different estimations uh, in Ukraine in the 90, uh, early 1930s. Um, I learned that that happened only in the late 80s when information started to come out. Oh, wow. Wow. You know, when the Soviet Union was already breaking up. Until then, there was not a word. And I lived in Ukraine. I was born in Ukraine. And I never heard about the famine in Ukraine because it was so thoroughly suppressed. And it was dangerous. If you were those who talked about it, they would probably be, you know, sent to jail. And well, at first, I mean, in, in my time, it was a little more liberal, but still, they would probably have a talk with the KGB.
3: They'd be dealt with. They'd be dealt with. They'd yeah. <laughs> be dealt with severely, I'm sure. Uh, so how long were you in Soviet Union, Oleg?
2: Mm, uh, I came here at the age of 34. So oh, wow. already a mature guy. So I, I worked there. I had a family there. Has three children. I brought my wife and three children here to America.
3: And you've been here for how long?
2: Uh, okay, I came in '94, so all. So uh, since '94, you've been here. Okay. I was born in 1960. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 60, 61 now.
3: So now, while you were in Russia, you were part of their uh, agitation committee. Is that correct? Or department? No,
2: no, no. I. Um, I was at the bottom of the food chain there, uh, you know, <laughs> okay. when I was a young guy um, I signed up to work as a, as a visual propaganda artist at the um, at a company when I lived in Siberia for three years uh, there was uh, it was just a job that I took I, I described this whole thing in my book uh, here, uh, Hotel USSR uh, it's like fact-based fictional life story kind of <laughs> okay and uh uh so i just worked as an artist and doing uh, posters uh of uh, happy workers uh, fulfilling their uh, five-year plans ahead of schedule and you know party leaders Lenin.
3: uh now, did and were you other, told what uh, to what to draw, or did you have a, a choice? Is like, all right, here's what you, here's your parameters. Knock yourself out, or do they say we want you to do this specifically, kind of thing? Uh,
2: there was, we had the uh, the so called party organizer, mm-hmm. the, the guy in charge of. He didn't organize parties. He <laughs> he was the enforcer of, of the party uh, rule, uh, and uh, he had a catalog made in Moscow centrally by the uh, you know the Department of Propaganda for to be distributed throughout the entire Soviet Union. And all the uh, small fries like me would uh, take samples from that. So the, that party organizer would find a picture there on the page, point that picture to me. And then I would uh, convert that picture into a poster that would be hanging in the town square.
3: And you did all this Uh, by hand, right? Is that correct? Because obviously back then... Yes, by hand and with very
2: bad, poor paint because, uh, well, like I said, it was happening in Siberia and, uh, like, I had a big barrel of paint that was overfrozen
3: and of very poor quality. (laughs) Um, And uh, So Siberia, when we hear in America, when we hear Siberia, you know, that's like the big, bad place where they send the naughty... um, russians is were you there
2: well it's huge no i went there voluntarily because there were there was oil there and they were paying high dollar high top you know high ruble top ruble yeah uh for for living there
3: so that's because of the harsh conditions nobody wanted to go there there was
2: a little more freedom too of freedom of movement yeah where and um a lot of people there were ex-convicts Because Siberia is still a place for prisons. And so a lot of people didn't want to go home. They either had nowhere to go or they couldn't. So they just stayed in Siberia. And the money was good. So, you know. But that, you know, one guy, my neighbor, when he found out that I was uh, an artist, his first thing, the first thing he told me that he suggested that I would uh, help him forge, uh, you know, fake IDs for, for guys. Um, uh, and, uh, what were the
3: fake IDs used for
2: May good money? Um, basically it's here in the States, you have uh, driver's licenses In the Soviet union, they had, and they still have it, uh, in Russia and other places, internal passports. It's like, you know, if you have a foreign passport, mm. so that was similar. It was a book that. Oh, actually, I may
3: have one. It still has a hammer and sickle on it. Oh, that would so, be cool. Yeah, if you got one, you could show us. Now, were these just so you could travel within country, like we have uh, states no, here? Well, that-
2: kind of. It's like whenever somebody stops you, you have to show your ID, uh, your passport, and it had a passport number that was your identification number, and then yeah. Okay, here it's a little bit already deteriorated. Um, I don't know if you can see it. This is the cover, and this is the first oh, wow. page. Then this is the second page, my name, hair. my signature. This is my photograph at 16 years old when I got the passport. And then later, yeah, I don't you, remember man. what age, I had to put another photograph because I already looked older. And then we had uh, the so called, um, what is it, uh, the marriage record that I was married. Okay. Then children, uh, the children were also written into the passport. And then the, the so called dreaded propisca, it's the um, where you live. You had needed to have a stamp of your residence. And if you leave, you had, need to needed to have another stamp, also signed by the bureaucrat that you're leaving that place. And then you had to get another stamp similar to that. So I have these. Um, so every
3: time you came and went, you had to get it stamped and signed.
2: Right, I had to show present my passport. And if I I couldn't get a job, if I was a, if I didn't have that uh, record that I of residence, yeah. and um, I couldn't get a record of residence in another city if I didn't have a job. And so it was a catch-22. Moving to another city was almost impossible. It was like immigrating to another country.
3: Oh, wow. So, is it still um, that way today?
2: Um, I, I'm not sure. Maybe it's easier, but um, I'm, I'm pretty sure in big cities like Moscow or St. Petersburg, it's, it should be like that because um, it, the whole thing is so centralized. In Russia, I'm talking about Russia. Ukraine is a little bit like that, but it's now an independent country. Mm-hmm. Um, in Russia, they um, everybody wants to live in Moscow. Moscow is the best. It has the highest living standard. The salaries are higher, and uh, it's almost like a Western European city. It's clean. Uh, everything else outside of Moscow is crap and drab. And so um, everybody wants to live there. And... If the government didn't control that, then the population of Moscow would be like 50 million people or more, and that would be, you know, problematic. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Well, they would just have to expand their borders. So
2: population control, you know, it was necessary from the very beginning. The communists instituted that. You you had to, uh, you needed to have a job, you needed to have a, a passport, you needed to have a place to live if you didn't. Um, have one of those, then you were uh, sus- a suspect.
3: Now, if you he, know, if you didn't have a job or you didn't have one of those, would they provide one for you with the government? Well, assist? not the one that
2: you liked. Yeah, they would say, "Here is a, an opening for a street sweeper. Yeah. We expect you at seven a.m. You know, tomorrow morning. And if you don't show up, uh, they'll give you another warning, and then uh, you'll be sent to a labor camp as a parasite." there was a special um, like felony type of, of par- par- parasitism of not working. And they used that also to, uh, like, they used it on one uh, uh, Russian poet, Joseph Brodsky, who later became a Nobel Prize winner in literature. Mm-hmm. But in his youth, he, he was sent to, uh, uh, to an exile in the north for par- par- parasitism. They said, uh, "Who? Are, uh, uh, why aren't you working? I, I am working. So, what is your work? Uh, what do you do? I write poetry. And who? Who appointed you to be a poet?" Mm. Uh, <laughs> they said God.
3: So they didn't consider Here's that work. <laughs> they, they didn't consider that work at so, all. Man. So, uh, Bill, I know you were young when you were in China, but I'm sure you probably heard stories um, from mm-hmm. your, your parents and. And relatives, um, what what kind of uh, you know, like Oleg was describing there, as far as you know, having the passport and the jobs and things right. like that. What was uh, what was the society set up like in China? So
0: when when the Cultural Revolution happened, um, a lot of people were displaced uh, forcibly, and um, my mother's side had actually came from I guess what you would kind of call like the courts back then of China, so. You know, they were forcibly relocated. You know, I guess my grandfather on that side was lucky enough to keep his life, but he lost everything. And I, my mom till this day still doesn't know, you know, where her, you know, quote unquote hometown actually is. Oh, wow. Um, But as far as the passport thing, um, yeah, China has something like that, but it's not anywhere near, wasn't anywhere near as detailed. Um, And basically, you know, tells you, The same thing this is where you're from this is where your kids will go to school if you leave out you know if you leave this area for work you take your kids with you you can't you know they can't get education you can't legally attain housing and everything like that you know so basically like oleg was saying moving was an official experience basically yeah so you had to you know make sure you basically knew the right people and had like, the right reasons. Like
3: here, we just pick up and I, you know, I could move to to the next city over or whatever. I could move to Idaho and, you know, it's really no big deal. But yep, with there, you guys. All we got to
0: do is go to the DMV, fill out the paperwork and notify the Postal Service, right? Yeah.
3: yeah. Even if we do that. <laughs> you know? yeah,
2: yeah. You needed to have an invitation from a company. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for example, you're an engineer and this company requires you. So they write, a, issue a paper that they need you, and then you pre- present that paper to whatever authority, right? And uh, that's that was one thing. You could marry somebody, and that's why there were bogus marriages, just like here in America, people married for uh, for a green card. Mm-hmm. Over there, people would get married just to move to another city. Oh, wow. also, and
0: and like what Olaf was saying earlier about how you know everyone want to live in Moscow, it was the same thing you know, or it still kind of is in China where everyone wants to be in Beijing hmm. and, you know, that's the seat of political power and this and that, you know, it's the biggest city. And and funny enough, because of population, they did have to expand the city over and over and over again. Um, but like he was saying, with population control to even enter Beijing on, you know, a identification card that says you're not from Beijing. You had to have official business. And all traffic coming in and out of Beijing, no matter where, is stopped and searched, even to this day. So, you know, that's the lengths
1: they'll go still for uh, control of control, yeah. who gets in and out of the capital. Well, and that's been one of the things that's truly terrifying to me is the readiness with which people in this country and especially in Canada are signing up for this kind of system. And, you know, in Paris right now, there's some video released recently of um, French or Parisian police officers walking up to uh, a table in Paris and asking for their papers and people behaving as if, you know, reacting Mm -hmm. to that as if it's fine. And in in Ontario, it's the same thing right now where where (laughs) or and a lot of the police officers refuse to enforce that travel ban. Um, but you know, the, the speed with which authoritarianism has, has rushed in, in the era of COVID is, is really shocking. Um, I have a, a a story that you guys are going to find silly, but I'm going to give it to, to inform a question. And, uh, I spent around 20 years in California before I managed to get out. And when I had, it wasn't, I came before my family, but I flew back and then drove the family, my family in the family car back. And when I hit the IDA first, when I left the California border, but really when I hit the border of Idaho, I had this extreme elation that didn't go away for several months. And I still kind of pinched myself sometimes at being, being here as opposed to what it was like in California. Now, obviously, California bears very little resemblance to the authoritarian regimes. You know, it's in the same direction, but the magnitude is totally different. Do you guys remember, and I suspect it's different, Bill being seven, um, um, but Oleg, for you, reaching America, would you mind describing that experience And um, on an emotional or, or practical level, whatever you think is interesting?
2: All right, quite a few things. Uh Struck me that I didn't expect. Well, not, not even that I expect. You see, what propaganda did was that it, uh, not, um, it created the completely wrong image of uh, America and the West in general. And um, I knew that that was the wrong picture, but I didn't have enough sources to know what the right picture is. So I came kind of unprepared and open to everything. And what it didn't even surprise me, but it uh, uh, kind of okay. I'll just tell you what I saw, and uh, because it's hard to, to describe the feeling. Um, like I said, that everything in in the old country was very centralized. It was centralized economy with central planning and. Uh, Everything, things were being distributed centrally and planned centrally. So uh, the best, all the best things were in the center. And people would sometimes go to Moscow to buy even food to bring it home. And like I lived in Ukraine, uh, which uh, was, which is a place where a lot of food is being produced. But that food was not available in our stores. And whenever I would uh, go on a business trip, I was sometimes sent to Moscow on a business trip when I worked as a translator for a research institute at some point. Um, They would send me to Moscow. I would buy uh, salami, um, cheese. Not not even that was very much, uh, wasn't big diversity of that, but at least some types of that were available. And so I would bring it home. So when I came to America, uh, any small town, even a gas station, had more stuff and more variety of uh, goods than the biggest store in the Soviet Union uh, wow. in, in Moscow at the time. Not, not anymore, of course. Right now, any um, you know, in Russia and Ukraine, uh, stores have everything because uh, they have sort of uh, at least a semblance of the free market. Um And uh, at that time, no. So it was uh, shocking to come to a store and see all that variety. And I came there with some American friends who told me, OK, well, uh, we, uh, we're we going to have lunch. Like, uh, what would you like to eat? Because we, we just wanted to get something quick and uh, eat outside of the supermarket somewhere on, on the bench. Um, and I was looking at all those things, like thousands of things, and I had no idea what they meant, what they were, because we never had those products at home. Mm-hmm. So I was, uh, I picked, <laughs> so stupid, I picked uh, a box of potato salad and a carton of chocolate milk. And <laughs> that didn't go well together at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's so
3: how you I, learn. I was
2: a complete idiot. Uh, the first time, Uh, I went to uh, Delhi to to get a sandwich and the guy was started asking me what I want on my sandwich and I had no idea what to say Uh, he said what kind of bread I said bread I mean we only had one kind of bread what kind of (laughs) what do you mean what kind of bread Um, it has to be white and soft okay so cheese. what kind of cheese I don't know what 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 kind are they well there's American provolone uh, this and that Swiss all right, let's make it Swiss. I never heard of a, any of those names uh, before. So, okay, then what? And so on and so forth. And uh, it, it was a torture just to get a sandwich made.
1: So that's...
3: Decisions, decisions.
2: <laughs> that was one of the things. But, you know, a lot of people uh, uh, tell the story how they first came to the supermarket and they started crying, that all their sacrifice was in vain, like they were... They spent all this uh, all their lives sacrificing for a better future, thinking because they were told by propaganda that uh, if they don't have something, that's only because we're gonna live better very soon. It's because we're uh, we just need to get over this difficult period and uh, everything will be great uh, in the future. So everybody was uh, waiting and suffering, and and now they come to. Uh, to America and see all these goods, and nobody is suffering, nobody is waiting, everything is available, they don't wait for the future, they just have it now. Uh, But I had a similar moment, like to tears, when I went to an art supply store. Oh. Oh, In the Soviet Union, we couldn't, if you weren't a member of the Artists Union, you couldn't get art supplies. Oh, wow. And so that and i came to to this american store there were so many more more art supplies that i knew existed and maybe in one store more than they had in the, the entire soviet union and um that you didn't need any papers to show in order uh, to really, buy it
1: right
3: it's,
2: yeah, uh, you don't even substance. have to be an artist
3: here in america <laughs> to go buy artists uh supplies <laughs>
2: yeah and on the Also, America has some very good artists, but uh, I'm also surprised how sometimes you see such poor quality, and especially those who try to uh, imitate, uh, like plagiarize Soviet posters, Mm -hmm. and not like me. I'm making parodies of them just to make fun of them, but uh, there are some people who take it seriously. Like a lot of Antifa posters are um, basically uh, remakes, of uh old Soviet posters. Right. In the right. days of the Occupy movement, that actually started. There was a rise in uh recycling all Soviet propaganda posters and I recognized them from before they just substituted certain things and uh, and I was wondering what the hell is going on with these artists. It's like art art schools are you know the teachers in our school are all communists or something. <laughs> and then I I realize that maybe that is true. Yeah,
3: yeah, you're right. I think you hit the nail on the head there, uh, especially nowadays. But uh, let's talk about, let's let's kind of rewind a little bit in, in the Agiprop, and let's talk about how in, in these communist countries that, again, how it was used to control the people or overthrow, in the beginning, overthrow an existing government, uh, how they use that to, uh, I guess, spread disinformation and um like you said control the narrative of of people's views on on what was actually happening
2: well you don't have to go far you just see it in front of you right now that's what (laughs) they're doing you know there are uh, the left has two modes of operation offense and defense or uh, right now they are in offense those are different strategies you know like if you're know about military you know you do things differently you position your supplies differently when you're in the fence or in defense so right now the left is in offense and their their propaganda is more has more stealth to it and they are um, doing it in one certain way in the Soviet Union they were in defense they already owned everything so they wanted to protect so there were more, there were conservatives basically there, the Soviet version of conservatives. They mm-hmm. were trying to conserve the system,
3: the old system. So when Stalin was and, trying to take power, um, mm-hmm. talk talk about that, because that's what they used for him to basically move into power. Was, was the well, the
2: Lenin basically and Trotsky created the revolution itself. Stalin wasn't the main guy there. And afterwards he killed everybody who knew that fact that he wasn't the main guy in the revolution (laughs) because he wanted to be the biggest hero. Um, So Lenin uh, was uh, the editor-in-chief at some point of a communist newspaper and that newspaper published a lot of propaganda and then there they were creating flyers, and there were um, special agitators. It was the kind of uh, title for something like what Obama did. It's community organizer. There were like professional agitators who would go to uh, people where pe- places where people meet, to factories, um, and distribute those flyers and those newspapers to show and to tell people. It was called agitate. Tell them. How long this can last uh, people? You are being exploited. Uh, The bourgeoisie, the capitalists are uh, taking um, the lion's share of everything and leaving you to starve. They have no soul. They have no conscience. We have to overthrow them and take away their factories and land from the landowners. And uh, a lot of people fell for that. uh, Sounds very familiar. Still, the Bolsheviks who created the revolution, they were a tiny uh, percentage of the population, but they were the most active, the most, most ruthless. And everybody else was just uh, watching, either sympathetically or not. But you know, they told uh, the workers, the factory to the workers. And then eventually, the government took over those factories, because the workers can't manage them. They, have no, they don't know how. So everything was in ruins for a while, and the country was starving. then they had to uh, introduce uh, government management in the factories because the factories couldn't work, couldn't function when the workers supposedly owned them. Uh, And the workers were just stealing everything from the factories because they're (laughs) theirs. Um, Then same thing, they told land to the farmers. And the farmers uh, were also, Happy some of them were happy to just go and burn the mansions of the big landowners and uh kill them and uh, to, you know take away that land and then the land was collectivized by the government anyway and all those farmers the ones who could work wound up in uh, either dead or in in Siberia and the ones who couldn't work they joined the collective farms and the country started began to starve again <laughs> you know? so
1: yeah, we're seeing kind of the same thing, and not exactly. And I'm, I'm, I may be misspeaking here, but in South Africa and Zimbabwe, um, both of uh, those situations had very highly developed agriculture, and you know, all, also obviously some real barbarity towards native Africans or black Africans, because um, at a certain point, when does a Rhodesian become a native African, even though they have white skin? Um, but in the repossession of white-owned farms, the production has just fallen through the floor. And yeah. uh, there's a lot to be said for skilled, hardworking people staying on land. Um, th- uh, this is a term that I, for whatever reason, find very attractive. But kulak is the word for those those wealthy. Uh, it's, it's yeah, something. that's
2: the word. And it's, uh, it means a fist. But it's uh, like metaphorically, I don't know why they were called the kulaks, but yeah, the uh, rich, wealthy farmers, usually they were the ones who knew how to organize work, and they had usually hired laborers, and, uh, so, and that made them kind of capitalists. Uh, so the hired laborers would uh, denounce them and kick them off their land, and then they would just start drinking, and um, the farm would just fall apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what happening in in africa too except maybe minus the drinking they do other things uh, but look uh in china uh i know there was famine it was a similar model mm-hmm. uh, the land was collectivized right and uh yep. and so the no production no food was being generated yep. and
0: pretty much um they basically had you know i, for, I don't know what they would have called it but it was basically forced you know um forced education so you know every young person would have to go through this or they would you know get shipped off to the countryside um and they would be all of a sudden thrown into manufacturing production or agriculture with you know almost no knowledge of it at all and they're just expected to come out of this you know as the perfect worker you know for the regime and you know and you also saw that with the medical field you know in china there's all the stories of okay we're just going to pick all these girls you guys are going to go train to be nurses whether you like it or not and you know a lot of knowledge was lost and just the general healthcare back then was just not you know it was just wasn't good at all um yeah and my mother was directly affected by that too you know um when she was giving birth to me the doctors were panicking and she almost, you know, bled out just because they really didn't have that much knowledge. And that's a scary thing.
3: Yeah. So let's talk about, <clears throat> let's move, let's move forward to, to America here because a lot of what you're talking about, uh, you know, what happened in Russia and happened in China, we're seeing the beginnings of that happen here in America. Uh, you'd mentioned Antifa earlier, you know, one of the big, um shit stirs here in America agitators uh you know there's there's other groups too BLM's one of them um you know there's there's several different ones. and there's people on the other side of that that spectrum as well um you know we're talking about the different forms um because agiprop can you know it's basically in everything it's not just the posters the banners the you know, the, the media, it's it's in movies, it's in songs, it's in theater. Um,
1: and uh, Marty, uh, I'm going to break in here with some breaking news that we have uh, the League of Pirates <laughs> in the house. And, uh, uh,
3: dude, uh, Sorry, got... I'm late.
0: I had a break in my eye, so I had to pause.
3: You had a pick in your eye. Can you hear us, you hear Jay? <laughs>
2: can you hear me now?
3: Jay with the League of Pirates joining us. You can't hear me at all? I can hear you. All right, cool. <laughs> well, how about them How about them apples? So you're here with Bandito Bill. We've got Oleg Abashian. Got and then, of course, you know Brian Keeney and his crew. I've met him once or twice. Once or twice. Yeah. Yeah. So, so welcome in. Uh, we're uh, talking about prop, Jay, and uh, we, we've moved on to talking about uh, the form that it's taking here in America. And I just posed the oh. question, um, you know, of the forms that we're seeing it here and to help our, our listeners better identify it, you know, when they see it and what they're seeing. That's kind of what we're talking about now, the different forms that it takes. Well, and this ought to be pretty good because League of Pirates pretty much just specializes in uh, agitation propaganda for the liberty movement. So, (laughs) that. Are you there? I am. Okay, you're kind of breaking up a little bit. So, I want to... That's really. I want to move to... um, uh, to Oleg here. So, um, talk about the the different forms that we're seeing here in America of the agitation uh, propaganda. Again, League of Pirates, you know, if you guys follow them, you know, that's kind of what they, they specialize in. You've got a website, Oleg, uh, called the people's cube. Is that right? Yes. Uh, the people's which you, you kind of specialize in that as well. um, and both sides, I guess, it's not just one-sided. This agitation propaganda isn't just one-sided. It, you know, both sides are engaging in this, and it's becoming more and more prevalent uh, here in America. Uh, so, talk about uh, some of the the things that maybe people are seeing that they don't they don't recognize it readily as this type of propaganda. <laughs>
2: Well, um, it goes on different, not just different, takes not just different forms, but it also uh, goes on different levels. And uh, actually the left, propaganda in general is a collectivist thing. So the right, individualistic right is not as good at it as the left uh, does. We can just do some counter propaganda, Um, but they usually always initiate it and we're just the reactionaries, we react. Uh, remember how Obama would often suggest that his agenda was failing not because it was wrong, but because it was not being perceived properly. The people failed to understand it because they were not paying attention, or he was not clear enough. Remember, he would say, "Let me be clear," uh, <laughs> or uh, or maybe because the media was doing a bad job delivering the message. So,
3: well, Biden um, says that a lot, also. You know, let me be crystal well, clear. Uh, let me be crystal clear. Mine,
2: hit, yeah. To, to every problem or rejection, the, the only answer is change the perception that was in his mind. Uh, change the perception of it in the people's minds, and the problem will cease to exist. It's also the result of postmodernist philosophy, which, uh, with this, you know, <clears throat> moral relativism that states that there is no right or wrong. Everything is uh, a matter of perception. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you change the perception, the wrong can become right. And that's because uh, the, the left believes that uh, human mind is a social construct. And therefore, it can be changed uh, through manipulations, calculated manipulations. Remember, we're in the beginning, we're talking about the Kantian philosophy. That's uh, part, partially where it came from. Um, and uh, today's collective is the government with the Biden at the head. But he's not actually at the, at the helm. He's just pretending to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so there. Transforming America and the mainstream media is performing the propaganda role of the, you know, they're the propaganda arm of the Democrat Party. And uh, they create a simplistic two dimensional picture um, for us uh, of how great all the Democrats are and how successfully they lead the country, while everyone with a little bit of a brain knows that, uh, you know, we just see. Failure and uh, destruction, and just like with the uh, resignation of Cuomo, he was.
3: Uh,
2: oh yeah.
3: The, he, uh, Great he had to
2: resign uh, officially because of the sexual harassment claims, but, and that was probably made just to preserve uh, his legacy as a governor. And uh, Biden just said he did a hell of a job, but basically he's a murderer <laughs> who mm-hmm. uh, killed thousands of. Uh, elderly people by sending him to the COVID hospital, to, uh, the nursery. The homes, nursing homes, COVID yeah, absolutely.
3: Um,
2: and I don't know if that was the plan, but, uh, apparently his, uh, bloated budget, uh, with a big deficit, um, could be a little bit cured by dispatching all those old people who no longer needed, uh, any government support. Yeah. So, I don't know how much of that factored in, but uh, he's an evil guy. But anyway, what I'm saying is that uh, the, the propaganda uh, tried to create the picture of uh, Governor Cuomo as the hero who was very successful in leading the war, while at the same time Florida was a hellhole of sickness and uh, disease with uh, Governor DeSantis, who yeah. didn't know what he was doing. Well, in reality, everything is
3: the complete opposite <laughs> Contradiction is the heart of the agitation propaganda. It's contradiction. They try to contradict. But also, you know,
2: propaganda is a simplification of reality. So the drawing simplified two-dimensional people on a propaganda poster is the same as flattening individuals under an ideological press, squeezing out and discarding their humanity and leaving only a single arbitrary characteristic, whether it's a gender or race, their nationality, profession, ethnicity, or religion. And uh, that uh, creates a simplified two-dimensional uh, vision of the world in the minds of the target audiences. Mm-hmm. It's not a very complicated picture. Uh, so, and such a vision lets itself perfectly into the simplified uh, art of visual propaganda. That's what it is. It's flat, two-dimensional images that uh, describe the reality in a simplified form. And uh, unsurprisingly, propaganda works best for collectivist ideologies that uh, scorn and dehumanize the individual. Uh, Collectivist uh, vision of an ideal society in itself is much like a propagandistic poster. It's flat, simple, often embellished, and always lacking details, which is very important. They never talk about details. In general, it all looks great, but when you look into the details, yeah.
3: And of course, they're always twisting the, you know, the, the facts to meet their, you know, their agendas, uh, twisting and and matching. Even though you know what they're saying, is, we can tell on the onset is it just doesn't make sense. You know, especially with all this COVID. You know, bullshit. Perfect example of, of the ad prop that they're using to push and promote this, you know, this vaccination agenda.
2: Right, and that's uh, that. There is a lot of propaganda, media propaganda there, but that's so obvious it's not even funny. And uh, yeah, so there are. So that was I uh, will touched on the government propaganda a little bit, uh, but now we have uh, something like grassroots propaganda. If we, if you can call Antifa grassroots, because they're all organized from above, there are enough uh, useful idiots there among them that. Well, again, it's it's
3: that it's that you know hiding the obvious of what's actually going on. They make it look like it's grassroots, you know, like you said, when it's actually not.
2: But look, and um, this ties into this COVID thing. You know, Antifa has been recycling a lot of Soviet art lately, and in fact, it started with the Occupy movement. And I recognize a lot of that art. Um, this is like a like a bad dream. I'm trying to escape yeah. it. It's <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, completely in irrational, unnecessary horror <laughs> that is following me from the Soviet Union to America. <laughs> and you, you ever had a nightmare where you're, you're trying to escape from some danger, but your legs uh, turn to cotton like pillows and you can barely move, and the enemy is approaching fast? And that's... That's why we train, so they don't... That's... And, and, and that that's what, you know, this is the feeling I get now when I, uh, when I look at the news, and it makes me want to scream and wake up, but there is no waking up in this case, you know. Uh, when they get us, we're done. So, anyway, Antifa's preference for this simplistic century old Soviet style posters and slogans is not coincidental because it shows their true uh, dysfunctional self image as a faceless mass of two dimensional puppets whose strings get pulled. By larger-than-life, invisible leaders, and notice there, which uh, we know who their leaders
3: are. Yeah, we know who their leaders are.
2: Well, we know some of the leaders who themselves may be puppets, and uh, so it's like several layers of puppeteers. Yeah,
3: and this goes back, Brian, to an episode that we did with with Jay, the League of Pirates. You know, we were talking about who who is they, you know, who are they.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I've thought back to that conversation many times since we had it, because at the time, you'll recall, I said that it's a waste of time to focus on they. you know, that, that that's a distraction. And unfortunately, I've been proven totally wrong. Yeah, And so, uh, yeah, mea culpa on that one. And I think that's the big bumper sticker of this whole thing is that if you didn't. Um, If you didn't believe in the deep state then, well, you sure should now, you know, and also just the global elites. It's a real thing. And when you see Bill Gates, you know, behind WHO, I think he's he's either the number one or number two donor to WHO. It's and that people think that that who is a um, an official organization and it kind of isn't. And then when you see his ties back to Epstein, you know, that's the purportedly the actual reason for his divorce is that he went to that island a lot. And, um, all these people being tied together with very few connections, um, is creepy. Um, one, I, I, I wish I could have, uh, bolded, underlined and italicized Oleg's definition of propaganda. I thought that was brilliant. And I just looked up on the, um, you know, Merriam-Webster and all the uh, all the rest, um, and their definitions aren't a pimple on the ass of the one that uh, that Oleg just dropped of of the simplification and and two D um, you know flattening mm-hmm. of ideas to make them into e- the way Jay would put this, and he's having trouble getting in at the moment. We're trying to get him back in, but he would talk it. I think he would say something like taking information and distilling it down to bite size easily digestible servings or something like that but um yeah i think i think my my view of propaganda prior to this conversation was kind of like that old definition of porn you know you know what when you see it but i think <laughs> right. that the underlying the mechanism that oleg is describing is that's a really deep concept that the that, that i'm slightly smarter for knowing
2: Actually, I think there is a deep connection between porn and Soviet uh, socialist realism, because in in either case, uh, you you know, the the final result is already known. It's just you need to create a situation where that will lead to that. And everybody
3: knows where it will lead and how it will lead. And they both make (laughs) it hard. (laughs) We <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> all work harder, yes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but going back to Antifa, you notice their compulsion to hide their faces be- behind masks. They're all uniform masks. In the day of, of the Occupy movement, those were the uniform Guy Fawkes masks. They were all ha- having the same face. Now, Antifa changed that to black masks or gas masks, and now the government requires us all to wear the COVID masks. Uh, in a way, that mask is the ultimate symbol of collectivist anonymity, and that's kind of a metaphor for where we're heading. You know, in the Soviet Union, at least I I told you uh, before the show how um, I I got to work in the this propaganda and. Um, You know, the officials who were actually in charge of propaganda, they either uh, had to believe in those propagandistic messages uh, or not not to go insane, or they were heavily drinking in order to suppress any uh, doubts in themselves. And then for others, those posters mostly served a decorative purpose, uh, which was more common in my day and age. When I was working, because when I was this propaganda artist, I in, in America you have a lot of uh, bright spots in the streets, all these uh, uh, billboards and uh, advertisings on the walls of the buildings. In the Soviet Union, they didn't have any commercial advertising, and the only um, bright spots in the drab environment were the propaganda posters. So sometimes people were even grateful. Because they, they are very they bright people-
3: and attractive. You know, and that, that's my yeah, design, no, obviously. Yeah.
2: Towards the end, you know, uh, already in the eighties, nobody cared what was on those posters. They were just there for decoration, and a lot of people wouldn't even uh, read them. You know, it just—it uh, was just a bright spot, uh, just an accent in the landscape. Uh, but you know, that's the the uh, the Soviet artists had no other. Way of doing it, you know, uh, and there were that was also a way of getting a living wage. But uh, the Antifa graphic artists, on the contrary, do their this quasi Soviet propaganda by choice and they create these two dimensional representations of life and people based on their two dimensional vision of humanity. That's why they're doing it. The the driving force behind their artistic and spiritual self mutilation is a matter. For another story, of course. I mean, I can talk <laughs> we can have another show yeah. just for both who was now.
3: gonna talk there?
0: Oh no, do really you think well, do you think, you know, the popularity of, you know, former Soviet propaganda art is popular, you know, with some of these younger generations or groups because of pop culture, you know, with the you know, shake of you know, shake of shirts and things like that. Do you think it's just been ingrained into them? through media and pop culture that you know this means freedom instead of something else?
2: I think you know because complex multi-dimensional ideas are not likely to spur large groups of perfect strangers to unite in a swift and coordinated action. So um, that can only be accomplished with a simplified message that isolates a single common characteristic in different people and exaggerates it to the point of existential importance. So um, you can in order to do to organize all these kids into action, uh, the whoever the masterminds behind this whole movement are, were uh, had to create. To answer your question, uh, this kind of um, uh, recycling, you know, re- resurrect the old Soviet propaganda. Um, remember James Carney? Oh, what's his name? James Carney, right? The Obama spokes- spokesperson. He once was photographed. In his house, you know, like one of the glowing pieces that the uh, media was uh, giving to Obama and his people, and on the those photographs, they had Soviet propaganda posters in the uh, in the background, and uh, that was very telling. And I, I'm not saying that he himself is a uh, like a Politburo member of the Communist Party, but uh, the the fact that he took interest in it. I know Jordan Peterson takes interest in Soviet propaganda, but that's for a different reason I'm sure. Because uh that's something that he it's like uh for him it's probably more like collecting uh, like dried poisonous snakes. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk
3: you know about one thing
1: that Go th- ahead. Th- th- Jordan Peterson talks about a lot is um, the brilliance and not, not in a good way, but the brilliance of Hitler um, to motivate or um, increase the disgust reflex. He uh, he compared Jews to termites, cockroaches, rats, you know, things that 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 carry disease. And one thing that's been really troubling for me to see is with the vaccination propaganda that the unvaccinated own the epidemic, according to the, to the Democrats or to the, to the left establishment body. Um, And there's very much that same technique being used to pin disease onto a certain group of people that are being othered, you know, that are not us, they are the others.
3: They're shaming. There's a lot of shaming going on. I I can't remember. Uh, some school board lady was uh, just recently called out uh, because she was uh, shaming the children in her district or whatever it may be and saying that they are killing other kids by not wearing their masks to school. They're murder. She said murdering is what she yeah. said.
1: And that that shame driver is is profound and powerful and gross in its own right. But this disgust reflex that Peterson describes is is almost like, you know, the umami flavor in in Japanese cooking. That's this, you know, this flavor that Americans didn't even really know about that the Japanese brought to the table. Is it tasty? It sounds like disgust reflex is a (laughs) is a sort of a direct path to your lizard brain that appears to be being used. Oh like do you have any any observations on that or and or bill like yeah uh, yeah both of them.
2: uh can you simplify the question please uh,
1: for sure um overall it's Brian.
2: <laughs> it's a little too highbrow for me
1: uh, i'm sorry um hitler we understand compared Jews to cockroaches and that gave, gave the idea that they were unclean and were a parasite on society and used that word earlier as well. Um, how do you, um, do you see that as being a necessary or extremely powerful, um, element in othering people, you know, like the parasite class that you were talking about? Do you see, do you I, see that same thing or am I crazy?
2: It's, no, it's called dehumanization and uh, demonization. Um, it's part of propaganda. It's again part of the uh, simplified uh, vision of reality. Um, and uh, you, there is a reason why propaganda appeals mostly to the uh, lowest basis, uh, basis human instincts and uh, um, it's very good when you want to create uh, ethnic hatred or uh, call people to redistribution of wealth, uh, cause envy. It 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 call it um, invokes the basest uh, instincts in in a human being. Basically, well, sometimes it can also be uh, in, like elation, uh, cause uh, excitement. Uh, it's it's like a drug, basically, where uh, you mm, you can get you get hooked on it and you need the reinforcement of uh, your of that vision of reality if you already bought it and uh, then you get elated when you find that confirmation and then um, your you have a withdrawal if you don't and then it also like a drug leaves you um, defenseless against uh, uh, the reality
3: and uh, you know, and you yeah, know who does a good job of that is um, we were talking earlier about Sasha Baron Cohen in his Borat, um, whatever they're called, I guess you call them films, um, where he will belittle or make Southerners look, you know, like stupid redneck backwards yeah. ass, you know, idiots. Uh, and he does that in his film, uh, the, the most recent one. These two guys with Jay and James or something like that. I can't remember what they were called, but um but they edit that stuff to make it look again to, to serve their purposes because they showed some outtakes of, of those two guys countering his points that Borat was making, you know, very intelligent, um, logical points, but they edited all that out, obviously, to to yeah. to make their yeah. point that uh, all Trump followers are backwards-ass Bubba Rednecks.
2: Hollywood does that a lot. And uh, mm-hmm. remember, you know, the, everybody, at some point, this uh, notion of this uh, lady named Riffenstahl who was Hitler's uh, propagandist, she was a talented filmmaker, and he made the documentary The Triumph of the Will for the Nazis. That was a great very powerful impactful documentary but it had all the all the wrong messages um, but it presented it in the uh, most uh, beneficial way. So um, all these leftists are wringing their hands and uh, trying to uh, you know talking about how is it possible that a talented person could take the side of the Nazis without realizing that they themselves are doing exactly the same thing? Uh, They just, you know, the anti-fascists today are, the fascists of today are the anti-fascists.
3: I saw a meme today. Of course, memes are, I guess, the new agiprop, one one of the forms of agiprop. But uh, it was talking about, you know, if you ever questioned if you would have followed the Nazis, you know, fell into their their way of thinking, um, are you wearing a mask, you know, kind of thing. So it was just basically pointing at people. as like, yeah, I mean, if you're gonna, if you're gonna give in uh, and you're gonna yeah. follow something, this is the start of it. And this is how it starts. Yeah, you it's know how they uh, to talk
2: about. They talk ironically about or sarcastically about the good Germans, meaning that the good Germans were the ones who went along with the Nazis, but and they were just being good citizens. They they were following the orders. But aren't all these uh, Biden supporters all these? People who wear masks while driving in the cars alone, are aren't they
3: being good Germans? They're Being um, good Nazis, aren't they?
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: they are. Um, so, um, what I was going to say that um, the the government needs to, you know, the powers that be uh, need. Uh, forced consensus and propaganda helps them to do that and it makes it easier to stay in power and continue to do what they're doing and a dumped down perception of reality that they're enforcing um is it desensitizes us and to the evil around us that they create. And that um, the suppression of human nature in human beings makes it easier for people to become monsters. That's the result of propaganda. And it brings us back to the Nazis. We all know that the Nazis were monsters. But what um, was to a large extent, <clears throat> that was to a large extent the result of the totalitarian propaganda that they were exposed to. But in, in the Soviet Union, um, uh, they had quite a few monsters as well, although although the left doesn't like to talk about that. Uh, and uh, those uh, people reported on the dissenters. They uh, created and maintained the gulags. And who was uh, killing and torturing people in the gulags? Mm-hmm. The same Soviets. Just like they're uh,
3: and, doing today here in America is like, report your neighbor if they're not wearing their mask. Yes,
1: yeah,
2: exactly. And all of them, uh, or at least most of them, thought of themselves as good people, doing good. Yeah, Good good Germans or good soldiers. Being a good Nazi, yeah.
3: Exactly. Yeah. um,
2: They were doing good, necessary work for the common good. Uh, They all cared about it, and the Nazis also cared about the common good for the German nation. Uh, the, the, The Nazis also thought of themselves as good people doing good, necessary work for the common good. And a single uh, not a single one thought of themselves as monsters doing evil work. Um, they needed That's propaganda true. to sustain that illusion also. Justify
3: so they wanted to create yeah. it.
2: And that reinforced their perverted values. And thus propaganda, once it takes root, becomes an addictive drug.
3: Absolutely. And
2: you know, socialism, on both sides, you know, the Nazis were socialists, the Soviets were socialists that brings out the worst in people, the envy, the collective greed, the intolerance, the lack of responsibility. And, uh, you know, when, uh, utopian socialist dreams, uh, become the official direction of the country, they get in conflict with human nature. I write that in my book, you know, the, uh, shakedown socialism.
3: Hold that up a little closer to the, to the camera. I'm going to pop it up here. So, uh, Oleg does have some books, and so we're going to talk about those here a little bit, and where you can go get those. And um, so let's yeah. let's do this. Let's let's back up a little mm-hmm. bit, and um, I want to I want to go to our other guest here, and you know, we're kind of identifying here in America uh, different forms and 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 where we can maybe identify Agiprop. and we've talked about a couple of different places, but we haven't really gone to social media yet, which is the biggest, largest dissemination of, of Agiprop that that's available. So let's go to Bill and um, Bill, give some examples of maybe some Agiprop that you've seen um, not necessarily uh, on social media, but you know, other people, YouTube, it's everywhere.
0: Right. Um, so, you know, one of the big places that we see now is definitely Hollywood. Right. And one thing that they don't really want to ever talk about is how they can satisfy a foreign market all of a sudden. So now, you know, they're spending time to make China look better in movie because they want the box office sales there. And slowly that's just injecting, you know, more and more of, you know, anti capitalist ideas or, you know, that maybe China's way greater than it is. Yeah. And with social media, it's funny that you bring up the whole meme thing. Yeah. Because you see a lot of these anti-American memes now and these memes about, you know, getting faxed and our healthcare system. And you're even seeing a lot of, I guess, what you call them influencers jumping on, you know, on the trend because that's what media has been talking about and that's what the common good is. They'll just jump on the trend and, you know, promote something like getting the vaccine without even having any information themselves.
3: Because it's the hot topic and that's going to get them more clicks. It is the
0: hot topic at the moment. That's what's going to get them seen. you know, oh, this person's way more acceptable. Advertisers will like them more. And, you know, slowly they just start building a new normal.
3: Yeah. So very, very disingenuous on the the social media, especially like you said, those, the bigger influencers when they're posting something, they've got ulterior motives as to why they're doing that. And usually it's financial. It's like they they can care less of the message they're, they're posting or sending out. And probably 90% of them don't even know because they've got somebody else running that for them. You know, the the trash they're posting, you know,
0: their followers, their viewers, you know, they'll just almost blindly follow them because, you know, as, someone that's an influencer on social media or YouTube or anything like that, you do get to know them a lot more personally,
3: Yeah, you
0: know? So you feel like you have this personal connection to them and whatever they say, you know, must be right. Because I like all his other ideas or his or hers other ideas. What I find interesting
3: is, and Jay may have talked about this, um, but like these groups, like an Antifa, we'll just say Antifa or BLM or whatever, They'll start a, a social media page that's conservative. And, you know, they'll get all these conservative people, you know, and they'll get, you know, 20, 30, 40, 100,000 followers. And then they'll change their content that they're posting to be the opposite, contradictory. But yet all these people that were following them at that point were following them because it was you know, something like pro gun or something like that. And then they switch oh. it to, uh, you know, black lives <clears throat> matter type, type content. And then they've got all these, because I mean, I'll follow somebody and I may not ever see anything that they, you know, ever post though. And that, I think that's what the majority, a lot of people do is they'll start following somebody because they see a post that they like and they're, Oh, that's relates to me and that's cool. And I, you know, I like that stuff. Um, I thought that was very interesting and that's a form of ad prop there too is, you know, they'll sucker somebody into something and then, you know, they'll switch it on kind of deal.
0: Oh yeah. And it's, you know, like you said earlier, it's not these people a lot of times doing it themselves. It's, you know, they have producers or managers or whomever else.
3: Big, there's big corporations and things behind this, you know, big.
0: Absolutely. You know, organizations, advertising dollars through everything else.
3: And I, I think there are other governments involved too. I think there's, you know, there's Russians, there's China, there's Chinese behind this too. That oh,
0: absolutely, you're seeing videos, you know, quote unquote informational videos popping up on YouTube that's clearly labeled that it's sponsored by foreign governments.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But
1: you know, these are facts about America, right?
3: Right, exactly. So, so
1: did you guys catch um, John Cena was doing yeah. uh, media like oppressor? and was speaking i think in mandarin but i don't i don't know um and he accidentally called taiwan a country and uh he did this i only could hear the translation that he did this you know ridiculous overdone apology for offending the people of china would you mind speaking to that briefly bill and how's his chinese like the, the better it is, the more it worries me, if you know what I mean. Oh, right, yeah, no, it's, it's um, you know,
0: si- simple phrases like that, uh, you know, a lot of people can end up learning. It is, it is a very hard language to learn, you know, I still struggle with it from time to time. Um, But the whole Taiwan situation, you know, it's China. Till this day, we'll say it's part of, you know, communist China... Nothing ever happened. It's not like, you know, during the Cultural Revolution, the Democrat Party left over there. No, no, that never happened, you know.
3: But you made a, you brought up a good point a minute ago about Hollywood kowtowing mm to um, China because of the Mm -hmm. box office sales. You know, they want the box office sales. And, you know, there's certain things that they will do and won't do and put in their movies because they don't want to offend their Chinese market.
0: (sighs) Exactly, you know, it's... You know, from what I've heard, the you know the remake of Red Dawn was supposed to be you know with China as the you know the antagonist, but no one wanted to offend them, so you know North Korea here it is, you know.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, they'll they'll just call it the Red Pawn instead. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, he just uh, Cena has just finished uh, filming his next movie called Career Suicide Squad.
3: Career <laughs> <Korea> Suicide Squad. <laughs>
2: I, like I, I would suggest to not to call it China or Chinese. It's Chinese Communist Party, the CCP. That's there, right,
0: to, right, not like, the people yes. itself. Yes.
2: Right. So, and I it kind of cringed me a little bit when uh, uh, Americans would confuse uh, the what the Soviet Communists did with the, with the rest of the people, because the people is one thing and the communist party was oppressing them just so. right so, and you both um, made they, a
3: great point too as as yeah. to the information that the people actually receive in china or russia they have no idea you know that that a lot of this stuff is going on like you said you were how old before you knew about Tiananmen square you know and, until well, you came I mean, over to I, to america yeah i was you probably about
0: that. in my early teens then you know
3: Yeah, so, I mean, the people over there are, like you said, it's not the people, it's the government.
0: Right, and, you know, all media over there, especially back then, and you had CCTV, which was just, you know, the central Chinese broadcasting, you know, networks, and it was the same shows, you know, it was always something about the war, you know, we're, we're the underdogs, but we, you know, overcome, you know, all the evil Japanese and everything, and they still you know, for a long time, they still use that whole common enemy thing and instilled a lot of, you know, hate towards Japanese people.
3: Yeah. That's and, very yeah. Uh, t-
2: typical of propaganda. Speaking of propaganda, um, it requires to pit people against one another. Again, it's a simplistic vision of reality. Uh, in uh, China, they hate the Japanese. Same in Korea. Like, uh, North Koreans are. All their movies are about the fights with the Japanese, okay. and in, in uh, well, I probably also with Americans, you know, since they had that war in the fifties. <laughs> uh, but in in Russia, the cult of the Second World War, uh, which they call the Great Patriotic War, is still very strong and it's being um, massaged by the government. Uh, all the time, so they still continue to talk about it and make movies and uh, how they make the Germans the, the worst enemy, and they need the image of the enemy. So basically, the Germans represent the entire West, and so we are um, always fighting. We're always being attacked. Uh, we uh, need to stay together against this uh, Western enemy, um, and we. Need to hate somebody so in china it's the japanese in russia it's the germans yeah. same same thing and i i imagine that uh, the chinese communist party learned a lot learned a lot from the soviet union at the time oh absolutely and, uh, Mao absolutely and Stalin were the best friends but then uh when uh khrushchev started doing his reforms in the soviet union then the chinese communist party didn't like that because that would uh, mean uh, losing some of their power so even though there was a cultural revolution going on and the people were starving, um, they were preparing for the war with the Soviet Union. There was a, actually a little little fight on the border uh, where an entire island was destroyed and basically with uh, uh, artillery mm, disappeared under the water. Uh, the Soviet artillery made it so. It was a border <laughs> island that was disputed. and. Um, so, what? I, oh, there was a joke when uh, Mao sends a telegram to Khrushchev saying, Hey, our people are starving. Uh, send us uh, some bread. And Khrushchev sends a telegram back saying, We, we don't have enough for ourselves. You have to tighten your belts. And so the Mao sends him a te- another telegram Send us belts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's a good the, the, the common enemy thing. There's an aspect that I don't think conservatives understand about liberals in the United States, and I'm not even sure how many liberals understand it about themselves or about their movement. But climate change was the hope, I believe, of uh, liberal elites to create a common enemy. You know, there used to be a lot of Uh, discussion that we needed a Manhattan project, you know, the project to create the first atomic weapon, um, that there needed to be a Manhattan project level effort on climate change. And my suspicion is that what they were trying to do, and like I said, it never gets explicitly said out loud that this is the deal, but that the liberals were trying to come up with an enemy that wasn't a person or a people. You know here's there's the enemy over there it doesn't have a soul but climate change is is the big problem and our our sinful bourgeois way of living is it's what the problem is and so we need to fight against it together um and the you know there's been propaganda since the 60s or 70s that we only have 10 more years to stop climate change Mm -hmm. before irreversible harm and you know the extinction of the human race is going to happen that sort of thing and uh, literally newspaper clippings from, I've seen them from the 70s. I'll try and pull them up here and link Marty so he can put it in the show. Um, you can sorry, share your continue.
3: screen. You can share your screen. Um, the the world has been here for how many billions of years? <laughs> and our little small time here on Earth. Uh, and we're we're the ones affecting climate. Yeah, uh,
2: propaganda is uh, very strong there. You know, like <laughs> how uh, what's his name, Obi Wan Kenobi said, "Propaganda is strong with you." Right? <laughs> 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 they, with, with the climate change, it's it's completely ridiculous, and only a stupid will not see how that it's all pure propaganda. And yet, you know, the people who think that they are so much smarter than us. Uh, They're the (laughs) the gullible ones
1: (laughs) that fall for it. Yeah. Yeah, and up on the screen right now is um, 1972. UN UN Environment Protection boss warns we have 10 years to stop the catastrophe. And this is for those that want to check him out. This is the Twitter feed of a economist named Bjorn Lomberg. Bjorn in the standard way L O M B O R G. It's and right up he's been on Peterson's podcast a few times, and I believe he worked for the U.N. or the EU, and he 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 did two very interesting things. He looked at what one dollar would do to to lower human suffering around the globe. And, uh, you know, so dollar for dollar, what's the best way to have people um, do better? and climate change ranks down at number 11, things like anti diarrheal medication and polio vaccines rank at the top. And then the second question that he asked people around the world was how many of their own dollars would they like to contribute uh, towards stopping climate change? And the number is laughably small. And so it, it, he does, um, you know, uh, Oleg was skillfully talking about the devil being in the details and that the details are not part of the conversation with collectivism. And Bjorn Lomborg is the guy with all of the the, the dirty laundry on climate change while still not at all contesting its existence. He's That's still not alive? The oh, yeah, he's he's our age roughly.
3: Oh, we need to get him on the show.
1: I, he's kind of a big deal, but we. He's can kind try. of a big I mean,
3: deal. Okay, he's like a Joe Rogan he, deal. So <laughs> yeah, he'll never be on that show.
1: <laughs> but we 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 should try. I, That's a that's a pessimistic. The Talking Lead podcast is among the most prestigious. Oh yeah, of course, so, of, so, most, of course. I'll give it a strike.
3: <laughs> so let's do this. I want to go because we're running long on time. I want to I want to go to our listener questions. So we got a, we got a lot, we got a lot of listener questions here, but before I do that, I want to make sure, does anybody have any more questions, uh, for Oleg or for Bill or for Brian amongst uh, ourselves here? I actually had one for kind of both Oleg and Bill, just with how you guys talked about the propaganda and how
0: detailed information was controlled all the way down to, you know, his history being scrubbed and things like that what you see in the States now with certain words being filtered from social media and, you know, having to change content filters manually because they're just starting to hide certain things. Um, so I don't even think you need to see in social media or anything like that um, or education. It's the fact that, you know, we're already steady erasing America's own history, right? You know, slavery was wrong, all that stuff, this and that. But, you know, you're basically trying to put white out over what our history actually was, right? Turn a blind eye to it and just instead of setting it there as a reminder of, you know, what it was and maybe we don't want to be like that anymore. But, you know, they're just steady getting rid of all these things. And soon enough, you know, the words are probably not going to be existing in common usage.
2: Yeah, word manipulation is a big uh, art in their um in this propagandist community so so to say, if you will. Um remember there was this guy, um uh, what's it called kind of sounds like jackoff his last name and uh <laughs> remember Rush Limbaugh was making fun of his name too. Uh so he came up with this whole theory of how we can um change certain words, manipulate the language in order to make it sound different and make our, the leftist message more positive on oh the yes. uh,
3: yeah. right
2: wing, message more negative. I mean, that th- those things had been done before, but he uh, kind of created an entire uh, kind of scientific branch out of that. So, I heard so this... in Russia it, yeah, it's go ahead. called, uh, uh, you know, you were you mentioned other things, other forms uh, like uh, what Antifa was doing, creating a page with one content and then substituting it. Yeah, it's not as much uh, propaganda; it's more of uh, what in Russia they call political technology. There, in Russia, they're being a little more cynical about this, and it's a you know official term, political technology. So all these people are political technologists. There is a special science. Called well, I think that falls I mean, into the agitation
3: <laughs> uh, part of the. Edgy, yeah
2: that, that is part of it of course yeah you know in many ways
3: so you're talking about you know changing words and the meanings of words and um i was i was or, listening to the radio today and they were talking about um in india you know curry they use a lot of curry uh mm-hmm. in indian food and um supposedly that's been a, uh, that was a British term or something like that. And they're trying to change and get people to not use the word curry anymore in in India when referring to Indian food and stuff. And I, I thought that was ridiculous. But anyway, to go to Well, yeah, they,
2: they are changing everything. They're changing the names of countries, the names of cities. It's like, uh, I don't know, what was wrong with Peking? They had to change everything all the maps and uh, to beijing i don't know uh, bill what what do you think if if um, if it well, was still King, would it be a problem
0: it, it, it's funny it's it's like you know the the, the communist government there try to erase all you know forms of the past right so new names you know things got shifted around but it's just like no matter what it is, how small of a change, you have to change it because if you leave anything that's kind of letting something go, I feel like, and they just can't have that.
1: Yeah, one of the features, and maybe you guys can educate me, and I know, Marty, you want to get on with it, but I think this is really important, that um, in communist God, Brian! the The revolution never ends, right? And Bernie uses that kind of language, our revolution, and Fidel Castro used to talk about the revolution in the present tense. Do you guys understand, uh, you know, that that goes to the, what Bill was just saying with that things always have to be changing, and Oleg talking about next month we'll have food, next month we'll have food. Is that the deal, or is there another part? What's your guys' take on that with the, the revolution never ending? I think um,
0: it's just, well, for China it's like everyone's united towards one China for the greater good of it and this and that. And I think, you know, for them it really does instill this sense of nationalism. um, Maybe not at all levels, but enough to where you know, because for a long time, you know, Chinese people were just like, yeah, you know, we kind of just work in the factories, we manufacture stuff, this and that. You know, we export all our stuff to foreign countries. And all of a sudden, you know, they start pushing this China-first policy and uniting the people. And, you know, there seems to be a huge resurgence of patriotism over there due to it.
2: Yeah, same here in Russia they are doing. Although it's no longer a communist country, but because there is no longer the uh, communist ideology to unite the nation. So Putin is using nationalism to unite the nation. And nationalism there is a little bit different because uh, when you have a multinational country like Russia or China, uh, and only one ethnic group is in charge, then that nationalism is no longer called nationalism. It's chauvinism. It's supremacism. Mm -hmm. And they are suppressing other, call themselves the, uh, big big brothers you know of, of the smaller brothers so um, and uh, to answer your question about uh, how the this kind of permanent revolution the actually there was a term introduced by Trotsky permanent revolution Trotsky of course was the enemy of Stalin so he he had to kill him uh, but um, There are a lot of Trotskyites here in the United States, a lot more than there used to be back in the Soviet Union. Uh, They are talking about the permanent revolution. But um, it was more like, in our case, um, in the Soviet case, that we all lived in the present as a temporary condition to achieve the brighter future. So Mm -hmm. there was no present. There was the dark past, and there was the bright future. Mm-hmm. And we all were all waiting and suffering and trying to overcome the difficulties, just waiting for the bright bright future to arrive. And on the, the People's Cube, my satirical website, we call it the um, uh, the glo- glorious world of next Tuesday. So next <laughs> Tuesday is gonna come, uh, you know. Free beer tomorrow. Tuesday come and they ask me questions. No, you stupid! I told you next Tuesday. It's not yeah, this juice. Yeah. it's next Tuesday. It's free, free beer um, tomorrow. So, yeah.
3: <laughs> and there,
2: so there was the dark past and the bright future, and there was a joke that what happens when you mi- you mix uh, dark past and the bright future, you get the gray present.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. You that, know, it, I've never I quite it. thought Let's of get... COVID in the same way, but COVID kind of functions as that permanent revolution because it ain't ever going away. <laughs>
3: Let's get to your questions. We're running short on time. Yeah, sorry, That's okay. So go to uh, Instagram and Facebook, and let's field some questions. Uh, if you reposted on your site, Brian, check out see if you've got questions there. Bill, I know you reposted. If you've got questions uh, on any of yours, we'll fill some questions there. Oleg, I'm sorry again. I didn't. I didn't tag you because I didn't know how to tag you. Sorry. Uh, That's okay. We've got a lot of questions here, and I'm going to start off with this one. Uh, And it says, uh, for Oleg, this is uh, C Crazy Randy. One, what is the most ridiculous piece of American propaganda um, you've seen regarding the former USSR? Uh,
2: I haven't seen many. You know, um, that's uh, actually a whole another question. How Uh, Propaganda on one side, on the collectivist side You know, the individualists have no need in propaganda They do not do that Uh, Capitalism was never advertised Or nobody did the propaganda of capitalism uh, Until the communists started denigrating capitalism And then somebody had to engage in counter-propaganda And that sucks you in and again again creates uh, this simplistic version of reality. And then you have to um, kind of know when enough is enough and stop. You know, propaganda was um, initially, I think, probably started in the 19th century. Um, There was a lot of propaganda going on during the First World War, and there were American propaganda posters against the Germans. Um, And then there were... Um, in Germany, there were their own. In Russia, there were a lot of propaganda posters during the First World War, even before the Revolution. And so some of those propaganda artists became uh, started working for the communists later. So that started. But, you know, the war propaganda is kind of justified. And uh, during the time of crisis, everybody turns collectivist because that's the only mode to survive. Like in the army. The army has to be collectivist. And it's not a bad thing because that's the... Mm, that's how you should work as one unit, and one person needs to sacrifice for the uh, for the entire unit to to for it to survive. But that's only that collectivism is the good moral code for the crisis mode, like in the war. When the crisis mode is over and there is a peacetime, we need to revert back to the collectivist. I mean, to the individualist mode, and that never happened. Uh, In communist countries, they all lived in the state of crisis all the time. They all uh, kind of cultivated this uh, collectivist mode of operation. And so propaganda was the best for it. So um, in America, I've seen some, uh, like in the 50s, there were propaganda films made describing the horrors of communism. But I don't think they are ridiculous. Uh, They were truthful. Then um, I don't remember anti-Soviet posters. There were a lot of anti-American posters in the Soviet Union, but no, I haven't seen any. If you can, if the reader can show me some, I can then uh, give my opinion. But so far, sure. I haven't seen any.
3: What about uh, what about you, Bill? Uh, same question for uh, for China.
0: Um, currently, as far as propaganda not too much comes to mind but you know it's, a lot of it is i guess what i the most recent thing is you know china is usually used and a lot of times for the right reasons you know it's the political you know kind of catch-all answer right it's you know china's ruining our economy or china's influencing our social media through you know
3: or politics, state sponsor, yeah,
0: right. Or through state sponsor, you know, <clears throat> basically got people that work for the government, they just basically sit on social media and post, you know, pro government messages in any outlet that you know lets it happen. So but, it's,
3: but that's not outlandish, so I though. Guess, I mean, that's actually happening, though, right,
0: right? It's not, so it's, yeah, yeah. I haven't really seen not too really much seen outlandish any outlandish stuff, yeah. It's mostly, you know, just growing up, it's. Really, what i see in China, like, again, I said, it was more anti-Japanese uh, propaganda where they would literally paint them as, you know, like, demons and devils and things like that.
3: Let me ask you this. Does China make the best AK-47? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, Since this
3: is the AK corner, let's talk a little AKs here.
0: It, um, it, that That depends, I guess, um...
2: Yeah, if you kill somebody then half an hour later you have to kill them again.
0: <laughs> right. It's like um... with
2: Chinese food.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get hungry real quick. Uh-huh. <laughs> I wouldn't say that they did make the best AKs because a lot of it was, you know, just copied and you know they threw their own spin on it. But the, the one I am after right now is a tight 56S underfolder, you know, with the bayonet. From Narenko, just because I have some family connection to it all. <laughs> so What's I
3: your guess, family connection?
0: Um, so my grandfather uh, was the general manager uh, for Narenko's small mun- uh, munitions plant. No shit. And and then That's he was awesome. moved up to uh, the general manager of the uh, you know a branch outside of Beijing. And so you know I got to see the the better sides of communism, I guess. Thanks to that. And that's why I really want a theoretical you know, T-6-S.
3: That's a good reason. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. on Facebook, um, Connor P. Norris, and it's not a question, he's just making a, uh, a statement here. said, my favorite piece of completely made up, uh, agiprop uh, specifically... Atrocity propaganda was the story from the British early on in World War I of the German soldiers allegedly marching through conquered Belgium, tossing babies into the air and skewering them on their bayonets. Totally cartoonish fabrication. The British press just wanted to demonize the Germans so thoroughly to inflame the British public uh, to supporting the war. Well, they weren't far from that. <laughs> Well, the yeah, Germans that's
2: worked. that's what all all sides did. The uh, American uh, the posters I've seen that described uh, Germans as these uh, kind of have people have apes who mm. were trying to crawl into America. So yeah, uh, that happened on all uh, on all sides and uh, everywhere. Um, regarding that uh, previous question, um, the ridiculous. Things I've seen a lot of ridiculous portrayals of Russians and Soviets in Hollywood they were completely unrealistic and unreal. Uh, but that wasn't as much propaganda. That doesn't qualify as propaganda. It was just a stupid, distorted, ignorant view. It's fictional um, bullshit.
3: Yeah. Right.
2: But that wasn't meant to kind of create the uh, impression of uh, that would lead to hatred or antagonism. It was just. Stupidly ignorant view. Yeah. Um,
1: On that uh, same line, Oleg, there are a couple posters that I've seen um, that basically tell people not to eat their children um, that are in Russian or Cyrillic. Are those real or are those made up as far as you know? And apparently it came from the Ukraine famine, or I'm, I might be messing this up, but I think it had to do with people starving to death.
2: Uh, and that there
1: was some cannibalism going on. That's the. Do you know any of the fact or fiction about well,
2: it? never I've never seen those. Uh, it sounds like somebody's uh, like gallows humor parody. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, there were cases of cannibalism during famines, but uh, the government would never make posters like that because uh, officially those famines didn't exist. So mm-hmm. the posters would be you know, would be proof that there is famine.
1: Right, right. Thank you.
3: So this is a question uh, from Instagram. It's from uh, Brunner1981JPCE. It says, for Oleg, is there anything you've seen in modern American media that reminds you of old communist propaganda, which we've talked about a little bit, is any of it notably concerning to you? How, if at all, were firearms, specifically the AK, portrayed in the communist media?
2: Uh, I can answer the first part uh, about the uh, American media reminding the Soviet media. Um, media. Um, it reminded me a little bit at the beginning when I just began to understand what was going on um, in the like early 2000s. Uh, but then in right now during the Trump presidency they became full on soviet propaganda uh, and uh, in the Biden times especially during the Obama times too you know the, mm-hmm. uh, all the glorious stories about how great uh, our dear leader Obama is and uh, <laughs> that and then you know
3: the media though the sides that they take you know you saw how they treated Obama, you see how they treat Biden, and you saw how they treated Trump.
2: Right. You know? The difference is great. Uh, well, you know, Americans will soon have to learn to le- read uh, between the lines, just like the Soviets did, because we learned about what was happening from their rejections uh, in the media, not from what they were uh, stating. We needed to understand what was really going on by trying reading between the lines. There is a good joke about reading between the lines. Uh, Like, uh, there are six six contradictions of uh, uh, socialism in the USSR. You you know, uh, according to classical Marxism, there are no contradictions in socialism. There are only contradictions in capitalism. But uh, somebody pointed at six contradictions of socialism, and that is uh, that uh, there is no unemployment, and yet nobody's working. That's (laughs) why. And nobody's working, and yet all the production quotas are fulfilled. (laughs) <laughs> and then all the production quotas are fulfilled and yet the stores are empty the stores are empty and yet everybody has everything at home that's because of the black market and then everybody has everything at home and yet everybody is unhappy and everybody is unhappy and yet everybody, the voting is always unanimous Yeah. <laughs> they all vote for the continuation of the system and then uh, so That's about reading between the lines. Um, So I thought at some point that it's time to create uh, a similar joke about the contradictions of socialism in the United States Uh, because it's turning into a socialist country now. So it's like um, uh, capitalism is uh, greedy and cruel, and yet half of the population is subsidized. Like America is a capitalist country. Half of the population is subsidized. Then half of the population is subsidized, but they still think they're victims. And they think they're victims, they are victims, but they're representatives around the government. They're representatives around the country, uh, and yet the poor keep getting poorer. And the poor keep getting poorer, and yet they have all the things that people in other countries can only dream about. And they have things that people in other countries can only dream about. And yet um, they want America to be like those other countries.
1: That's brilliant. Yeah. 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 yeah,
3: yeah. What about you, Bill? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, what was it? So as far as um, uh, in the American media that reminds you maybe of the, the Chinese communist um, propaganda. Anything concerning, um, notably concerning to you and what you're seeing here in America? I think right
0: now it's just you're seeing, you know, it's you're seeing this same line from multiple outlets, right? And they're all driving the same narrative. And even on some of the other side, the narrative is the same. So it seems like even – so it really does seem like they're controlling – all information that's being, you know, disseminated to us, even when people know things aren't true, the media will report it because they'll have some big, flashy headline that grabs your attention and it will sway your opinion quickly, you know, without you reading it all. And it's just the opinions that's been pushed onto them by you know their editors or you know whoever else pays them, right? And yeah, it just you—it's know, like every channel you go to, every show you go to, it's almost the same and that's kind of a concerning thing
3: and then um this is kind of part of his his question also where he was asking about how if at all were firing specifically the ak betrayed in the communist media and you know here's one uh <laughs> this one here
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, classic
2: you know the original poster, right? Where the guy is actually offered a, a glass of vodka, and he says, "No, I'm I'm gonna be sober."
3: Yeah, that that is definitely a um, a remake of that one. Um, yeah, you know,
0: for us it was you know it was always present, but never they never really pointed to it. You it was know, just so kind of more in was, the
3: background kind of thing. It was kind like, of just
0: subliminal. You know, maybe that's where my where my love of AKs really comes from, right?
3: Yeah, <laughs> it's more of a power control thing too. Is like if you don't conform, look what we've got back here. You know, we've got yep. guns that we're going to control you with if you don't conform to our our will. Yeah,
0: it, it's it's funny, you know. Right now, or at least a few years ago, when knife attacks were the prevalent thing in China, you know, for anyone to go to a supermarket to even purchase a kitchen knife, you'd have to show all your identification. They will log it in and everything just for a kitchen knife.
3: Sounds like Canada. (laughs) Yeah, a registry for for cooking utensils. What about uh, your post that you did, Brian? You got any questions on your post?
1: You know, I got one here. Um, actually, on on the Talking Lead page on Instagram, were there any agit prop books, music, etc. that you enjoyed? And um, you know, I came across one maybe a couple, three, four weeks back. The San Francisco Gay Men's Choir put out a video that's been since taken down everywhere they can, but I'm sure there are copies around. Um, That's called we are coming for your children and um, it's this snarky, disgusting, horrible video where they don't, you know, they don't come right out and say what they're implying. They say they're going to that that they're going to or we're we're converting we're going to convert your children and something like that. And then they do kind of a dot 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 um, to be tolerant loving human beings, and then they're going to come for you and turn you into a tolerant human being. And, um, I was immediately enraged as I saw the video, but, you know, trying to practice sort of detached observation these days of what's going on. And so I decided not to have a, an opinion on it for a couple days to see how it sat. And, uh, the, um, the thing that, that struck me was how far it screwed its way into my head like that the tune that you can't get out of your head and of course i uh, you know my my end conclusion is that um yeah f that and um uh that that i have uh zero willingness to entertain a, a civil discussion with folks that are uh that are acting in that way
3: what about you bill you got any questions uh on the post you made
0: um, I think they went to your post on the Talking Lead page and okay. on Instagram and asked a few. Mm-hmm. Maybe we
3: we've got some questions for you, and we're going to save those for uh, our wrap up here because they're all about what you got going on with Sure Shot. So gonna, all right. we'll talk about that. Sounds um, good. Let's see, Austin Whalen, no questions. Just looking forward to this episode. Tandem Dooley, without the propaganda, would the AK be as recognized? With the Soviet influence in Asia and Africa, their propaganda was pushed more than any from the West. Who wants to take that one? I don't. I don't think the agit propaganda, agit propaganda, right. anything I don't to do think with it was,
0: that. I think it was just the manufacturing. How many manufacturing bases there were for you know the ease of manufacturing of it, and and when it's common, you know when
3: it's I think just control, its reputation the, in battle is is yep. the best and, propaganda it had
0: there's just so many out there and they were just being sold for cents on a dollar to, you know, anyone that was willing to buy them for a certain period of time. So, right.
3: So is this the video, Brian? Brian, you're muted.
1: Sorry. It's a link to a story in the video. Uh, that's been on memory hold and, um, (laughs) the, the, the original video was something like four and a half minutes long. And um, yeah, it's it's worth people looking at because of it. It's such a sterling example of what we're talking about today, um, Play going it. on right now.
3: Play it. This is the uh, San Francisco Gay Men's chorus uh, outlining how they'll convert your children. Hit it.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'll I, share. I want to. I want to hear sh- this. Yeah, no, let me um, see if the audio comes through. Here. Oh, there's no audio. Uh, let, yeah, let me unshare and then reshare because this is a it's kind of a big one. Uh, and then we're going to turn. computer. Yeah, here we go.
0: So to those of you out there who are still working against equal rights, we have a message for you.
3: You think we're sinful? You fight against our rights, you say we all lead lives you can't respect But you're just frightened You think that we'll corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked It's funny, just this once, you're correct We'll convert your children happens bit by bit Quietly and subtly and you will barely notice it. You can keep him from disco.
1: Warn about San Francisco. I like discourse pants, we don't care. I mean that's that's the it's, I like it disco. goes on like that for four and a half minutes of pure rage, and obviously I, I hope it's obvious. Okay, I rage. I don't think that's give a, give one damn who people have sex with or who they love. It's it's this forced conformance that I think uh,
3: You know, I don't think th- there's any more or any less gayness in the world than there has been since the beginning of the time. It's just more you know, it's more publicized now than than yeah, ever before.
2: Propagandized.
3: Yeah, it's propaganda. There you go. add adj- you prop. What was it? what is gay you <laughs> well, adj- prop?
2: No. To to me, this sounds like a little bit ironic and sarcastic message that sure. uh, he's not, is um, uh, just pretending to be like uh, trying to be the devil's advocate, uh, showing instead uh, of saying, "Well, I, I mean, I haven't seen the whole thing, so it's hard to judge." But my first impression was that um, the the message was, "Come down, people. We're not going to do that. This is like so outrageous that it's." No, no sane person would be saying those things.
3: Yeah. And, and and can all gay people sing? <laughs> I have nothing against gay people whatsoever, but it just seems like they can all sing really well.
1: Can uh, yeah. no, can confirm? I know some really sloppy gay dudes. Okay. Uh, Tim, Dillon, uh, the guy, <laughs> Tim I have several
3: gay. gay friends, and they can all sing really well. I'm jealous. Um, <laughs> All right, uh, we're gonna wrap up our listener questions with this one. Uh, and this is M. Jolen's Might. M. Jolen's Might. Was Rocky IV the most effective anti-Soviet propaganda piece ever made? <coughs> is it true that Rocky's speech at the end of the film is what single-handedly caused the Soviet Union to collapse? (laughs) (laughs) Or was it David Hasselhoff in a piano scarf straddling the Berlin Wall that pushed it over the edge? (laughs) Best question ever on this show. Speaking
2: Speaking of Rocky, well, first of all, um, the propaganda has to be... uh, the the question about whether it was effective has to be answered by Americans who watched it at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, we never, I never heard of Rocky until I came to America. Of course, those movies were not shown. Yeah. I had no idea they existed. Uh, but when I saw that Russian boxer, that looked a little bit ridiculous. Uh, what is his name? Lindgren? Dolph Longgren. Longgren, right, the Swedish guy. Um, <laughs>
3: He's Swedish. I...
2: Uh, <laughs> You see, the previous question was what uh, examples of uh, American propaganda, anti-Soviet propaganda seemed ridiculous. That seemed ridiculous, but uh, that wasn't. See, the difference here is that the propaganda in the Soviet Union was all government-sponsored and government-controlled, and all the movies also were made by the government. You cannot not make movies outside of government. Uh, in America, it was all private business, so government did not tell Sylvester Stallone to make that movie. It was his own idea, and, uh, you know, whatever whoever created it, producers, uh, screenwriters, they were uh, all um, doing it on their own will um, without the, um, looking at the government for approval or uh, censorship. Now... Uh, during the war, the government did sponsor propagandistic movies and I've seen some um, the, including Second World War. Um, but that was again a justified uh, thing that disappeared after the war ended. and after that the government didn't uh, participate in the arts. Now, um, an organization can create a propaganda. Uh, that's true like some association. Uh, it's similar to uh, commercial advertising um but t- what's happening today is that it's being um this propaganda is being enforced by some kind of a invisible committee in hollywood it seems i don't know whether it exists or not but it seems like all those producers all, are of the same mind what goes and what doesn't um and uh, also i hear there is uh, a lot of influence of the chinese <laughs> communists Studios and are telling the uh, producers what they can make and what they cannot make. and that's why that uh, John Sana was uh, apologizing because he was told by producers, apparently that if the new movie that was released, the suicide squad is not if China uh, refuses to take that movie, the studio will lose a lot of money. And now the Chinese market is probably bigger than the American market. Americans stopped going to theaters, but the, in China there are more and more moviegoers because uh, again the middle class is growing. People have more money to pay, um, so more and more is oriented towards uh, China and other countries. And so the uh, Chinese Communist Party has more and more say in what Hollywood produces, and then uh, that that way the propaganda can become um really what it used to be in the Soviet Union, government sponsored and controlled.
1: Very good.
3: So it's um
1: good that uh the White House is spending a ridiculous amount of money, I forget how much, hiring uh, TikTok influencers to um, make videos okay. about getting vaccinated. And so I think I think you can call that full scale propaganda at this point. Yes. Uh, Benny Drama, I think is the guy's name. He did, and he's apparently wearing a dress as he does it, is talking with Jen Saki about a day in the life of a Washington intern, and, you know, there's all kinds of... It, it's so funny uh, why that would appeal to the unvaccinated if that's who Democrats think the unvaccinated are is, is a question in its own right, um, but right. Dollars that, at work.
2: that qualifies as uh, government propaganda already, and you notice how the government, in the Obama years there was also uh, an effort to create government propaganda when the NEA, the National uh, Endowment for the Arts announced uh, grants for the artists who would create best Obamacare promotions Mm -hmm. so uh, that happened during Trump years that didn't happen, Uh, I mean the the government didn't engage in propaganda Uh, what are we seeing now?
3: What, what, who's sharing this? What is, is this your TikTok thing you're talking about? My
2: his is Drama Cooper the White House. In turn, TikTok video goes viral. All right. Okay, I see. I thought that was the continuation of that gay uh, video.
3: <laughs> I think it's another gay thing. But anyway, uh, let's, let's do some giveaways. Um, we're going to give away a Mission First Tactical... AK Corner Logoed Dump Tray or Armorer's Tray, as I like to use them as. Uh, For Mission First Tactical, you can go to missionfirsttactical.com and use the code LEADHEAD. You'll get 20% off, uh, and you can buy one of these. You can buy their holsters. You can buy their uh, AR accessories. they got all kinds of cool stuff. Magazines. Uh, They do AR magazines. Got one right here. You can do logoed Magazines. And I'm gonna let uh, Bandito. Are you on social media right now, the Instagram or the uh, Facebook? I can be. Pick, uh, yep. pick, pick a winner there from Instagram or Facebook, and that's gonna be the winner for the uh, dump tray.
0: The commenters, or
3: yeah, the people who left comments. That's the only way you win uh, here. Is you got to participate. That's how we pick our I winners mean, for everything.
0: I think with Mailner's might uh comment about Rocky Four.
3: The Rocky Four yeah.
0: A, I think that's really deserving of that. Of Definitely. That
3: tray. So um what say his name again?
0: Uh it's the it's Mayoners. Mayoners might M-J-O-L-N-I-R-S M-I-G-H-T.
3: There you go. Whoever you are, email me talkingled at gmail.com. You are the winner of the Mission First Tactical AK Corner logo dump tray uh, and put in the email what you won. And I'm going to need your address also because a lot of people will contact me and not even send their address. How do you expect me to get you your prizes? Come on, guys. Come on. All right. (laughs) So the next prize we're giving away is a seal one package. It's a complete package of their CLP. Uh, cleaning products i gave my one away that i normally show my cable guy came the other day and he was an ak fan and he had a uh draco (laughs) in his work van i was like i was like you win a seal one package buddy that was awesome uh but yeah it'll come with the paste the liquid it doesn't come with the uh the aerosol uh, spray but uh, it's got uh, pre-soaked pads seal1.com use the code leadhead and you're going to get 25% off any, th- any of your purchases on seal1 and this stuff smells really good too I love the smell of it and I'm getting ready to clean a lot of my guns because I went shooting this past weekend trying out the uh, AccuFire Thermal and their new 1-8 to which is on a rifle I got back there somewhere we're going to talk about it off air um, But uh, Brian and, and the crew Pick a winner for the Seal 1 package Facebook Austin. or Instagram Good.
1: Don't take all day now There's a mouse
3: You guys need to
1: I had I had a layup all queued up Or an ollie-oop all set up for them But they decided to be individuals And start okay. looking around Oh, I missed that part of this. Oh, well, there are two really good ones, right?
3: Come on, Austin. Work at mouse. Right, let's, go
1: with, let's go with Crazy Randy One from Instagram.
3: There you go. Crazy Randy One. He said, for Oleg, what is the most ridiculous piece of American propaganda you've ever seen regarding the former USSR? And you you answered that one. So Crazy... See Crazy Randy One. Email me. Talking at gmail.com. Uh, you just want to seal one... Uh, cleaning kit, uh, Brian. are You giving away any Occam Lube this this episode?
1: Well, yeah.
3: Okay, well, let's do that. Let's uh, next winner. Uh, let's go back to. Uh, have you been to Facebook yet? Go to Facebook and pick one of our winners from Facebook. And Oleg, are you are you able to pull up Facebook and all that stuff? Right now, let's
2: see. Uh, okay, I'm on it. I'm on it. There you so, go. You'll see my sometimes. post there
3: with the. The Agiprop stuff? Well, I I don't know.
2: I see seven comments, and uh, those they are supposedly comments, right?
3: Yep. Underneath um, the comments, yeah. there's a Jonathan Gallup, there's a Jerry Black, there's a Connor P. Norris, there's a Brett Bedal, there's a Jerry Black again. Jerry Black was really getting on this. Brett Bedal says, what food do you miss the most? What American food do you like the best? Makes me hungry. So who you like there on Facebook, Oleg? <laughs> Well, there is
2: one question that uh, I could answer, but that would take a long time, and we're already winding up. By from Jerry Black, how much of the propaganda did you actually believe? And uh, that's it's 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 hard. It depends on where, um, what time of my life. Like when I was a little kid, I believed all of it. Of course, because i didn't see anything didn't tell anything else then when i started growing up
3: i think he meant uh means when you were educated and you knew better
2: well educated but not from the uh, government-run educational establishment you know (laughs) educated by life
3: yeah critical thinking for yourself which we promote in this show
2: um so, yeah, well, I like that question. What made you want to settle in the US and in particular New York? Uh, well, because I like that country, uh, because I wanted to, it had the freedom, it was basically the dream from for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, And actually I visited it At first and I loved it but I still Came back because I was hoping that Ukraine would uh, become independent And turn into another uh, Western country like that Life would be like in uh, just another European country Uh, Those were my hopes but that didn't happen Because I didn't realize how much socialism Corrupts people because After uh, 70 years of living under socialism The country became so corrupt that no progress could be made uh, for a very long time at least for uh, my generation and the generation of my children so we have to wait it's getting better I visited it five years ago mm-hmm. and it's uh, um, it's a lot better than what i left.
3: Yeah. But still
2: it's, it's not there yet so um, I regretted when I came back from America, and after a while, when I realized what was really going on, how uh, the corruption, the government corruption, was still present so much that nobody could do any honest business around. Then right. I regretted that I didn't stay in America at the time. So I made everything possible in order to to be able to go back. And uh, hey, who was that question from? from? Was that Jerry Church. Black? That was from Brad Beddo. That question from he said, please compare and contrast Ukrainian people with U.S. citizens. Well, that's a very big question. I can't answer right now.
3: Um, but you just read one from Jerry Black, right? So he's our winner.
2: The
3: the New York question, yeah. So no, Jerry Black, no, you just won the Occam Lube. Um, has he has he have you sent him some Occam Lube before, Brian?
1: Yeah, there's sort of two there. There's a, I think Oleg might be referring to the question that Brett Bedau put forward, or Bedau. Oh, but I didn't see one. Uh, I just
3: see Jerry's. It says, you settled in New York uh, in the South. Many consider New York, California, and a few other states as nearly communist states. Based on your experience, how does New York compare to actual communist state? What are the similarities and differences? So you're saying it was Brett Bedau's.
1: If you go two lengths... Two comments down from that, at least how it's sorted on my page. You'll see one, uh, what made you want to settle in the U.S. and in particular New York. Please okay. compare and contrast Ukrainian people with U.S. citizens.
3: All right. Who are you picking? Uh, oh, look, who's the winner? Who's the winner of the Occam Lube?
2: Um. I don't know. I kind of like uh, Jonathan Gallup here. Super excited for this episode. I love propaganda art. Excited to learn more about the Soviet side. What are some of the major Soviet themes? Uh, do they ever address the disparity between the ruling class and the working class? Who do you see more in uh, Marx, Lenin, Stalin, etc.? Okay. What are some of the favorite edgy prop memes currently? Uh,
3: and then so that's the that rifle really one important. that we showed so the picture funny. of. Yeah. So, Jonathan Gallup, he's our winner?
2: Yeah. Giddy up. That,
1: that's
3: the most elaborate question okay. of, of
2: the ones. I mean, there were more others, but you
3: already. We had a lot of great you. questions. Yeah. yeah. So, Johnny Jonathan mm-hmm. Gallup, Giddy up, you are the winner for the Occam Lube. talking at gmail.com. Tell me what you won. Shoot me an email. Uh, and uh, we'll have Brian, or actually, we'll have Ginger Snap. Is that, his, is that his name, Ginger Snap? Uh,
1: you know, Something I think like that's it. a great way to do I, I think that's his new name, Ginger, <laughs> Snap ginger Magic 1775. Ginger Magic, okay.
3: <laughs> yeah. You'll hate me for that, one.
1: He Well, he wanted to, and he still might. I I don't know if he has yet or not, but when I first came out with Occam Blue Bread, he said, nah.
3: no, nah. nah, no." Nah.
1: <laughs> it's Ginger Magic. and. Uh, so I think That's we need awesome. to change the red flavor of Occam Lube to uh, ginger magic.
3: I think yeah. so. I like that. Just call it ginger snap. It's <laughs> perfect. Um, <laughs> there you go. So all you winners get in touch with me, tinyleadgmail.com. Tell me what you won and uh, we'll get that out to you. Uh, I'm going to give away a Leadhead brigade patch also, and I'm not even going to announce who it is, but I'm just going to randomly pick somebody when we get off air and uh, you're going to get this patch. And when you get it, Post it on uh, social media, and say I was the secret winner. So there you go. All right, let's, uh, let's let uh, Bill Bandito Bill uh, tell everybody where they can get in touch with you. Talk about uh, sure shot and um, what all you guys got going on. There's a, there's several questions about you know what you guys got new coming up and things like that. So hit us. Uh-
0: you can find well myself, it's at bandito underscore bill on Instagram. Um, the company SureShot USA will be at SureShot underscore USA. And I think one of the questions was how you know Shot USA got started. And you know, we talk about social media and everything like that. It's I think I saw one of their products pop up back on uh, you know, Instagram Explorer back in the day when that was still allowed. um you know absolutely loved it but you know they were in russia they weren't really shipping to the u.s and it just happened that i was on a you know i went to a training class with center t and saberworks who was putting it on at the time you know he brought a few you know with him or you know dima from center t brought a few with him for saberworks to sell this and that Grab one from, you know, grab their Mark 1 rail system, absolutely loved it, you know, did my fun Instagram stuff with it, and the owner of the company loved it, and, you know, we started talking and everything, and, you know, I love their product and wanted to, you know, have a bigger presence with it here in the U.S. market, but not just by, you know, importing foreign goods and reselling them here. I actually wanted to you know, in, you know, set up shop over here, you mm. know, hire Americans, you know, use American materials, and, you know, try to give that same level of product to our customers. You're like I that guy to, that uh, did the, oh,
3: the Razor company? He said, I liked it so much I bought the company? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no,
0: nothing that grand. Um, I had a chance to, you know, expand our operations into a machine shop, and so it just seemed like the you know, perfect timing for all of it to come together. And then as far as what we have coming, you know, right now we're manufacturing and shipping our Mark Three free float system with a full integrated top rail. Um, the biggest thing now is to adapt that system to other variants here in the U.S., you know, be it the, you know, milled pattern AKs or Ugo pattern and anything like that. And then afterwards we're going to fill out our product line with our Mark 2.1, Time you 56? Know,
3: I said the Type 56, which what you're wanting. To yeah, do, yeah?
0: I, I need one of those. <laughs> so if anyone's got one for sale, you know, let me know.
3: About com, hit me up.
0: We, you know, we love to just fill out our product line with everything manufactured here in the U.S. You know, uh, localized to our market to account for all the variants and you know the firearms we have here. And yeah, just trying to. Trying yeah, to what's a your new uh,
3: sites? Where can they? Let get you. You said the oh, bandito the bill on the uh, bandito underscore bill on Instagram. Yep. Sure Shot is
0: Sure underscore USA on Instagram, and the, the website is www. usacom
3: Very good. And I want to get you back on uh, another episode of the AK Corner, and we're actually gonna talk AKs. On that, mm-hmm. episode, I promise. Oh, I will. Do. Promise you. <laughs> okay.
0: if you're if you're willing to have me back, I'll, I'm more than happy. Oh,
3: absolutely, absolutely. I, I'm. We want to pick your brain. I know our listeners want to pick your brain also. Absolutely, I think that'd be a great time. Yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. Oleg, talk about uh, everything you've got going on. Your websites, um, products, your books.
2: Uh, well, I invite everybody to visit thepeoplescube.com. Uh, my main satirical website where they can also see the books and uh, enjoy the parodies, the propaganda posters, and uh, basically, as you can see, the tagline at the top is "The America through the eyes of a former Soviet propaganda artist, agitprop artist, the agitprop, agitprop artist yeah. of the day. So... Um, it's a little bit distorted uh, on your end. It's probably because you're blocking the ads. <laughs> so, yeah, you can see the Poor Me magazine there. And uh, uh, you'll get a lot of laugh. Um, and, you know, see my books at the very top. Uh, if you scroll to the top, you will see that there is the Shakedown Socialism on the right. And, uh, on the right-hand side, sidebar. and uh, Over here? No, a little down, down.
3: Oh, down yeah. here. Okay. There it is. No, 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 no. Uh scroll to the right. Here. There they are. Yes,
2: this is the Hotel USSR and Shakedon Socialism.
3: There it is. Hotel USSR. The story of
2: a young man coming of age in a totalitarian state.
3: Is that your artwork there with the chick with her armpit, smelling her armpit? Yes, that was a woman I wanted to marry at some
2: point. Oh, yeah? I made made her portrait, yes. uh, This book is illustrated with my art. It has a lot of it, and it's a story of how I tried to create an art, but eventually the government convinced that I was a non-artist, and so I had
3: to quit. No better way to get a chick to get naked for you than to tell her you're going to paint her, right?
2: Oh, actually, she was sleeping. She didn't know
3: I was sleeping. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> it, it was already
2: after we slept. <laughs> so,
3: <laughs> you knocked that, the bottom out
2: of it, it, it didn't you? on socialism is um, based on my experience of working in both systems, in the Soviet Union and in the United States, and uh, the comparison of the two systems, uh, plus some ideas about how Um, the leftist uh, ideas of socialism are actually a perversion of uh, human nature and how, for example, greed. Uh, The left is always complaining about the greed, but they are the greedy ones because they want to take our property and take it for themselves.
3: Exactly.
2: Um, If the unions, for example, are uh, complaining that somebody is not paying enough, then that means that it's their collective greed talking. They, They need to Take money from everybody from the entire country and put it in their own pockets.
3: Very good. Um, you got a second edition I, of this. There's two editions.
2: Uh, yes. Well, the first edition was uh, um, I changed the cover and I expanded it because it was still popular selling after six years. Still, uh, people would buy it, and so okay. I, I there I accumulated. A lot more material to include in it so i expanded that a little bit and, um put the joke about the contradictions of socialism in the front and uh, and created a new cover
3: and they go here to get the books or am are they available yes. on amazon uh,
2: you, can, you can see that it's an amazon you okay. can get it as a, a paperback as a
3: uh, audio the digital
2: uh, no, audio, no, but as, a, as an e-book
3: and uh, e-book. both. okay, uh, And also... Um, you should get Brian to read it for you and do an audio version of it.
2: Oh, yeah. Brian has a very deep uh, professional voice. He's got voice, a very uh, commanding
3: too, commanding voice. Uh, yeah. there. Um, and then you I also am, have a Facebook page. Uh, they can go to the People's Cube uh, on Facebook. And right, I'm,
2: I'm posting uh, the latest, the best... What is on the people's queue? Because I have contributors. It's not just my side. It's more of a forum okay. where a lot of Americans are participating. It's like a role-playing game. People pretend to be these hardline communists from the old Stalinist political bureau, and uh, we discuss common, uh, current events and what's happening in America uh, from the, the, that perspective. Uh, we also have people from other countries uh from Germany, from Belgium. I have one guy who writes from Brussels, um, all in English. They're great parodies. From Brussels? Uh, I, had two, Brussels I had two contributors four from four South Africa even. Say it again?
3: <laughs> it's, the, it's the Minute Work song. Six foot four, a man from Brussels, six foot four full of muscles. Oh, I gave him a Vegemite oh. <laughs> sandwich. <laughs> Come on, Oli. <laughs> Aren't you Americanized yet? I'm a down Come
1: on, um, I think it's a mark of Oleg's integrity and refinement. That is that what it is? I'm trying to get some
3: <laughs> levity here, you know. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, I'm loosening him up a little bit. But so you are
2: talking about my humorous uh, satirical website has
3: become so boring, and you uh, <laughs> need it to
2: bring bring some. Light, some I wanted light you to
3: show it. us your um, your firearm, it up, guys. <laughs> Can you show your firearm to everybody? This is Oleg's uh, well first American two. firearm.
2: Actually, I have two. One of them is uh, 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 the Red Rider. The Red Ryder BB, Rider BB gun. gun, yes. And, <laughs> and uh, the With second the one is the one me. I brought from my trip five years ago. Um, it's uh, the this one, and it has "It says for uh, service to the motherland." It's an inscription here. And uh, what you do is you uh, this is how you load it. Open the cork <laughs> and you pour vodka or you can just put it in your you mouth. Just take
3: and... a shot. Nice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Perfect. And, uh, you, and there you close it again so that it doesn't uh, go bad.
3: I love it. That,
2: that's another gun. All right, you found my website at Basium.com. And it has my art gallery. And also on the same side, you can look at my books.
1: And these of Atia here are just amazing. Like, I, as I said, I didn't know, I knew you were a graphic designer. I didn't know you were a fine artist. And these are. Thank you. Yes, thank this you. one here is, yeah, they're, they're staggeringly good. So I'd, I'd encourage people to check out Atbashian.com. It's, it's staggering work.
3: Go back up. Yeah, Actually,
2: when I you. came back five years ago oh, right and there. I f- discovered a bunch of my old drawings and paintings in my mom's closet, uh, I took pictures and I brought them, kind of enhanced them, brought them to what I wanted them to be in, on the computer, basically digitized them, uh, uh, formatted them for print, and every picture had a story behind it. So I was uh, commenting on, so I decided to create a website to put those pictures on yeah, and nice. uh, I started writing stories p- behind those pictures and eventually those stories, um, S-
3: scan down a little became,
2: bit in a narrative and I decided that right maybe I should write a book about that. And so I, I wrote a whole book and I included these uh, pictures as illustrations. So. The book is mostly made of uh, stories behind the pictures, but it also is a uh, continuous narrative of a story, how I was trying to be an artist. So how did you get Jake
3: Gillenthal to pose for you?
1: Say again? This one <laughs> or this one?
3: <laughs> that was the second role of the far right, Jake, Jake yeah. That's. Do you know who that is? Only? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what?
2: <laughs> this guy is actually um, from the Caucasus. His uh, he was from Georgia, but he wasn't. Okay. looks I like Jake Gillian
3: Gillianthall from Brokeback Mountain. Right,
2: right. <laughs> but he's of uh, I'm Ossetia. trying, I'm trying.
3: <laughs> no, your artwork is amazing, though you do the work. the bearded work. guy is actually ethnic
2: German because there used to be ethnic Germans in the in the Soviet Union, uh, who. Immigrated just like the Mennonites came to America in the 18th or 19th century. The, the same thing happened. The, the, they were also coming to Russia and settled and had their villages, but then during the war with Germany, uh, Stalin resettled them all to Central Asia. And uh, so this guy was born in Central Asia. He was ethnic German, but uh, he. Uh,
3: he looks like Basically, Paul Rudd with it, a beard. It, 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 hmm?
1: that, isn't is that like a, happening now with South Africans uh, migrating to the same general region, um, fleeing? You know, South African farmers, I've heard, are, are being welcomed with land in, in somewhere in, in Russia.
2: That would be good. <laughs> uh, Russia needs some experienced uh, good. So what's um, the farms. name of
3: this website, Oleg?
2: at Bashian.com.
3: at bashian that that's his last name it's a-t-b-a-s-h-i-a-n.com uh right. and and people can order these if they if they like them on your website they can or no and, Are these for sale
2: yeah yeah uh okay they can go there is a kind of print on demand store uh, online store called red Bubble, and i yeah Oleg's art gallery and i um sell prints set, there set up those products for print, so you can choose
3: Very nice. what
2: pictures you want and then you can uh, order them online so
3: leadheads, go and uh, support our guest you go to Oleg's page here check out his paintings, you can buy them his books, let them know how much you appreciate them being on the show, go to Bill's Bandito Bill's uh, website, SureShot what's that website again, Bill? Uh, it's
0: SureShot-USA.com
3: .com uh, check out what he's got going on. Also, Bandito Bill, you've got a website. Don't you uh, do some artwork yourself?
0: Uh, right now, that website's just kind of laying dormant with uh, running Shot and everything, just having that time to I gotcha. do any I gotcha. of the digital art stuff, sadly.
3: Well, hit him up on his social meds, let him know how much you appreciate him being on the show uh, and uh, how much you're excited about him coming back on another episode of the Talking Lead AK Corner. Are you going to be at NRA, Bill?
0: Uh, No, I don't think so.
3: Okay. We're going to be set up at the Caltech booth. Uh, I believe it's okay. 1803 is their booth number. Uh, and if you guys uh, are going to be there at NRA, come by the booth. We're going to have some awesome giveaways. Mission First Tactical's got some stuff for us. Uh, Dipstick Dizzy Whizzle's got some shirts that he's made up. Uh, We've got some other giveaways that we're going to be doing with kel the official lead quarters of Talking Lead for the 2021 NRA in Houston, Texas. That's just coming up in a couple of weeks, actually. Uh, So come by and see us. We're going to have all kinds of interviews. If you decide you know you're going to show up, Bill, come by and see us. Um, Oleg, come to NRA. It'll be a great experience for you if you've never been to one. Get to see all the Bubba Rednecks. (laughs) (laughs) at The Agiprop people want you to believe that are going to be there I'll uh, talk about it
2: offline
3: okay <laughs> Brian uh, I, I don't think I think you said you're not going to be able to make it but uh, we're going to we're going to rep o- Aqua Defense while we're there too uh, so come by we're going to have some awesome things going on uh, IWIUS uh, I know I've teased you guys I don't know how many episodes now we're going to be giving away a Galil Ace uh, we're supposed to give it away at NRA Time is of the essence. I don't really have everything ironed out yet, so I don't know that it's going to happen, but we're still going to try. But if we don't give it away at NRA, we're going to give away uh, one of the IWIs, Galil Aces, at some point in time. So stay tuned. I'll give you details on that. Uh, Sponsors of the AK Corner, IWI US, check them out. Uh, Jeremy's a great dude. He's been on a couple times. We're going to get him back on. And then, of course, Factory 47 for all the AK Corner uh, T-shirts, ladies, I call them ladies, but they're tumblers that have the AK Corner logo on them, Um, hoodies, uh, all the AK Corner swag. You go to Factory 47. That's factory with a K, 47.com, and they've got some other cool AK lifestyle hats and uh, logos and things there. Uh, and then their new their new podcast. What is it? The Barbarians, something. American Barbarians. American Barbarians, which I've been listening to and, and enjoying it. Uh, so go check out his new podcast, uh, and then of course Mission First Tactical Seal One, and Occam Defense Solutions. Brian, tell them what all you guys got going on.
1: We got a new product about to drop, so stay tuned. It's really cool. You, If you go to our Instagram page, you will see a glowing orange barrel on a test gun. We pride ourselves on really t- beating stuff up so you don't have to. Um, let's see, cranking on the, we've got a, a second mill cranking, so we've tripled production here. It's a nice little Lamborghini fast kind of model. Um, yeah, lots of stuff in development. Lots of stuff on the horizon, and um, we're about to be able to restock the web store pretty mightily here. So, Very yeah, cool. lots, of, lots of action right now. OccamDefense.com,
3: yeah, been- check them out. Uh, social medias is uh, Occam Defense Solutions on the Instagrams and the Facebooks, I believe. Is that right?
1: That's correct.
3: Uh, and then, of course, OccamLube.com. Use the code LEADHEAD. You're going to get 10% off. Uh, your purchase at Occam Lube. Uh, So go check them out. Support those that support this show so we can bring it to you each and every month. The Talking Lead AK Corner. Until next month, lead heads, get out there and be active with your AKs and bone up because you never know what we're going to talk about on this show.